Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. So, hey, everybody, this here is Mary McGlynn. And hey, hey. for those of you that don't know, Mary McGlynn has done a whole mess of stuff. All right, first yeah. thing I'm going to do is I'm going to center your name in my uh, in my Twitch here, so that it actually looks a little less half-assed. Um, okay, it's let's 2020. see. There's there are no rules anymore. Yeah, I know. No rules. Everything is every well, you know. Everything is awesome. I know. Even before the pandemic, this is how I was doing my interviews because I realized I don't have a lot of space in my own little studio here to get somebody in. I don't know how to set up the second mic. So we were Zooming it, we were FaceTiming it, and I was making all kinds of mistakes. I'm better at it now. Zoom is easier to use now. So yeah. it works, but, yeah. you know, yeah. And I can be on my Imperial Cruiser and everything's fine. Exactly. So there's, okay, there's so much to let you guys know about Mary. And because usually this is what happens with, with Twitch. People don't like to scroll down one centimeter and look at the actual title of the stream <laughs> where it says, this is Mary McGlynn. And yeah. all they could do is Google you. They even did this on YouTube on my community page. I said, Mary McGlynn's coming. And people actually take the time to type, who is Mary McGlynn? When actually yes. you could be asking Google that question. Just take the same question, put it in Google yeah. and hit enter. And yeah. Then, oh. Yeah. And then. Oh, she was in there. Oh, look. Oh. All these things that you were in. Okay. Things. I heard so, some things. Yeah. So, Mary McGlynn, I first met you, I think this must have been around 05, 06. I might have done like one project for you where you were directing me, but since then, um, you've continued to do all kinds of stuff. So, tell you what, take, take me through your credits okay. that these people would likely know. On okay. camera, voiceover, and directing, please. Okay. Uh, well, I did do some on camera. I did uh, the Murder She Wrote and Xena Warrior Princess. Uh, my first job was on a James Earl Jones show called Pros and Cons. And I played uh, a woman who was kidnapped and found dead in uh, the canyon. Uh, so my first gig was being tied in, in the shot. In my, my one scene was sort of the... Uh, the kidnappers uh, video of me pleading for my life, right? So I walk in and I strap, they, they tie me down to this chair on a soundstage at uh, Warner Brothers. And I was like, please don't kill me, please. I don't know who killed blah, 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 please. And we did two takes and they said, all right, that's a wrap. And the whole place started chanting, bullshit, bullshit, bull. And I was like, oh, is that good or bad? And they said, no, that's really good. That means you got in, you got out. Their day is shorter and we can move on. So that was really fun. And then I had to be dead in the canyon. And this uh, day player said, you know, uh, you, you probably shouldn't be shaking. And I'm naked in a ditch and it's 32 degrees. And I which, was like, which canyon? Uh, Topanga. Oh, man. I don't know. It was cold. So that was my first thing. So I did some TV and then I did an episode like Murder, She Wrote and Quantum Leap and uh, Silk Stockings. You remember Silk Stockings? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I did Xena and I got hurt on the set of Xena. A horse named Cher uh, rolled on top of me uh, and dislocated my kneecap. So I started doing voiceover for an anime company called Zero Limit Productions and they'd done 
Akira and Ghost in the Shell, and I sort of got wrapped up in doing voiceover with them for a while. And then they had too many shows and not enough directors, and they had a real penchant for hiring female directors. And they said, hey, Mary, you went to grad school for this. You got an MFA in acting. Want to give it a shot? And I was like, oh. yeah. And that was it. They gave me uh, Cowboy Bebop. That was my first directing gig and Steve Bloom's first leading role. And uh, that was it. I was hooked. And I went from there to like Ark the Lad, random anime, um, Digimon, Wolf's Rain, uh, and all of that. I directed for Saban for a couple number of years. A drive from Burbank to West LA was really awesome. That's <laughs> Uh, and then I went to um, uh, Naruto, and I directed Naruto for 10 years. 10 and that's years. That's where I met you. Yeah. Ten years. Uh, that's where I met you. Uh, and I think I worked with you as, uh, okay, so here's the deal. You, and Hidan, and Kakuzu, these two Akatsuki members that we right. didn't get to see until Shippuden started. Yeah, and it was you and Fred Tatashore. Mm -hmm. And what I loved is that Fred uh, was the officiant at your wedding. Yes, which was amazing. So, so to hear you guys had such a history already, and to hear the two of you, you could hear the history between these two characters. But instead of all this love, it was hatred. It was just this constant hatred between the two of you. It was awesome. Yep. Yeah, for yeah. you for you Naruto fans out there, I know there are Naruto fans out there. I know there are just general anime fans out there. If you're an anime fan, you have either heard Mary's voice or you have watched an episode that she has directed, I guarantee you. You are you are you are blanketed across the anime landscape. And so yeah. the the anime you guys enjoy is basically brought to you either vocally or directorially in large part by this lovely, amazing lady sitting before you. And like she said, with her, with your resume, I, I know very few actors that just get straight into acting and, um, and it all just starts to unfold. There's so many circuitous routes you take to get into yeah. this business. There are, but here's the thing. If you stay focused on being an actor, you have to be aware of what is presented to you because it could shoot you off in a direction you never anticipated. I never thought I would be a director. Yeah. And now, this year, I have an Emmy nomination for directing Tangled, which is like, what? Nice. That was you the know? show. Yeah, yeah, I remember saying, oh, Mary's going to direct that because my kids have watched it. I thought, that's yeah. going to be so much fun. Yeah. So, you know, and then after anime, I started doing more and more. Uh, well, Sam Regal uh, recommended me to Disney, and I got this show called Pen Zero Part-Time Hero with Thomas Middleditch and uh, Alfred Molina, Larry Wilmore, uh, Adam Devine. And it was nice. just amazing. And that was it. That was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. Because I felt like 10 years of Naruto bred a lot of complacency. And yeah. I was just like, I can coast on this raft for another three to four years. Yeah. And I realized, well, what do I really want to do? I really want to direct prelay or original animation uh -huh. and now that's that's all i do although i did just direct the most recent ghost in the shell uh, really series that just came out on netflix which was fun they got the whole cast back it was great wow i played her for a long for a long long time but yeah but i never expected to ever be a voice director uh and the minute i did it's just like 
like, you know, in life you get out there and you really want to do something, but it's like, you're just banging your head against the wall. You're standing on the glass pounding mm-hmm. like Dustin Hoffman at the end of the graduate. And they're just not going to let you in the door. But the minute you say yes to the right thing, mm-hmm. if you're open to it, it's like being shot out of a cannon and knock wood. I've never stopped working since then. I'm yeah. not sure after this interview, I will stop working. I'll but, find uh, a way. I'll, I'll find a way. I'll uh, I'll edit That's this just right, so yes. that I I get you saying just the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll superimpose a Goya can of beans <laughs> next to your head. Say, ah, find something you... new. Yeah, exactly. Well, the uh, the the thing that amazed me too, the the deeper I get into the voiceover world, the more gigs I do, is the number of really awesome on camera actors you come across because either it's a nice side gig for them or they yeah. genuinely enjoy doing it. So you mentioned Alfred Molina, who yes. might be the most underappreciated actor of all time. Completely agree. We did an yeah. episode of Penn where at one point it was an Indiana Jones that this uh-huh. uh, series was about going into alternate worlds Mm -hmm. uh and one was going into basically an indiana jones uh themed world but instead of an idol it was a roll of toilet paper appropriate for today uh Uh, and we had fred say uh throw 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 me me the the idol throw me the idol throw me the idol yep and uh and i remember sam uh levine who was the creator was just like you're okay with this right fred and he goes oh yeah i love it yeah yeah of course well, yeah, for those of you, I, I, have some, I have some younger people on the stream who don't have the same frame of reference that we do. Alfred Molina, I'm going to name two things that you should immediately know. One of them you definitely should. You have to, ha- you have to hand in your nerd card. Spider-Man 2. He's Doc Ock. Doc He's Dr. Doc. Octopus. Okay? Yep. And possibly the best Spider-Man movie. And there's some good Spider-Man movies out there. But Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. That's Alfred Molina. But yeah. the one that really gets me is, I think it was his first role, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say Boogie Nights. But no, no, no. Yeah, Raiders is good. Raiders. Oh, Boogie Nights. Oh. He's amazing in that. I forgot he was in that. Alfred He's Molina terrifying. can play anyone from anywhere and make yeah. it convincing. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. amazing. And so you get to work with him and voice with Every him. That's, week. that's awesome. And we're still, uh, we're friends on Facebook still and troll each other every now and then. And it's just... Lovely. It's just lovely. So yeah, we get to work with a lot of, well, I would imagine, now do you do The Simpsons alone? But you guys did table reads when back when the world was normal, right? We still do table reads. I'm doing one tomorrow. We just do them through Zoom. We'll get, I mean, people say, geez, I'm going to do a Zoom with like eight people. Can you do that? Like, dude, the the Simpsons will throw 75, 80 people in a Zoom read. Okay. Yeah. Um, they just mute themselves so that you can hear who they need to hear. But no, the, the, the show functions. We have not missed a beat. Um, yeah. And uh, it, the, the world adapts. We're all adapting mm-hmm. to this. And I, I think what you and uh, I have both found out is that um, it is not as complicated as one would think to be able to record from home. A lot of voice actors already oh. knew it. You know, it's just yeah. now we're all doing it. Yeah, I know. And it's just, it's a small investment that's worth it uh, to keep yourself safe. I yeah. Mean, there's just no reason to go in if you don't have to, unless you don't have, you know, that one gefell mic that everybody is using. And if you don't, it's like, all right, then I understand. But otherwise, it's just get yourself a bit of equipment, get yourself a, a build a fort. You know, we're back to being kids again. We can build a pillow fort and you can record and the pillow fort is broadcast quality. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't think people realize that either. I get asked this a lot. For all of you folks on stream who are interested in voice acting, want to get into voice acting, I have this nice booth behind me that I had custom made. And you can spend a lot of money on a custom made booth. It works great. I, I kind of like having it. But you can also, for $40, and I've told people this before, on Amazon you can get for $40 a fabric box that is lined with sound foam. And you can cut a hole in the back, or it already has the hole in the back. You run a mic cord through, you put your mic inside that. That is going to give you very good acoustic quality, and it ain't rocket science. It just takes a yeah. little, you know. Well, D Baker just put up on IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com, which is mm -hmm. a completely free website, and I know yep. you've probably plugged in the past. I have. He just put up a point-by-point uh, -point instruction manual on how to make uh, a booth out of PVC and blankets. Wow. And it's and that's what he is recording broadcast quality from. Is he? Yep. PVC and blankets? Yep. Man. That... He makes a box. He, he becomes the Schrodinger cat at this point. And he yeah. <laughs> builds himself a box. Wow. Because mm -hmm. the other thing you can do is, I used to ask people, do you have a closet at home? Well, yeah, yeah. it's not very big. It doesn't need to be. It needs to be... You can put a little shelf there, put your laptop on it, put a mic on a stand in front of it. Just make sure that there's a rug or carpet under you. And do you have clothes hanging in the closet? Yes, brilliant, because those absorb sound. And I'd, I, I had a walk-in closet with carpet under it and uh, with clothes on either side, sounds like a booth. Yeah, it so. does. I've directed kids who are sitting in their parents' closets. I've seen more closets recently. <laughs> than I can mention. It's kind of amazing. I have somebody who, uh, a very famous actor who's sitting on the floor with a mic in front of him and his, you can see his Peloton behind him and wow. he's thrown a blanket over that and then over uh, like, I don't know what's in front of him, but it, but yeah, it's it's a blanket fort. And wow. that's going to broadcast. Yeah, this is something we all run into as voice actors. When you do stuff outside of the game, um, you, uh, you do stuff with that character outside of the game. You are suddenly not working with the, what, with what the writers gave you in the session. You're working with your own ideas or whatever somebody may suggest to you. So there's always that chance that you might step in a place where they don't want the character to be. And yeah. so that's really kind of the, where I am right now, just out of respect. Um, and also because, you know, as a voice actor, I, I think a lot of voice actors have to learn this the hard way. You're not just being hired to do the voice in the game. You're also being trusted not to be difficult or an asshole or yeah. disrespectful of the property you're working on outside of that. Mm -hmm. And I know you must have dealt with this at some point with actors that you don't need to name any names, but some actors are probably less respectful of others than the, for the properties they work on. Yes. But the thing is, is that, you know, your voice is your brand. And yeah. the minute you, you step into the shoes of a character, you are represented, uh, representative of that character. And right. if you do something, like there was a, uh, somebody did a, an impersonation of uh, someone uh, <laughs> during a, a, a Supreme Court thing and, um, they got fired, you know, because it's really? just like you, what you just did is so unbelievably disrespectful that we can't have you as a person represent 
our property. Mm-hmm. So you'd really do have to be careful until you just get to the point that, you know, you just don't have any Fs left to give and uh, you can you can just say, well, fuck it, I'm going to Hawaii, you know, whatever. Yeah. But until that point, you not you don't have to censor yourself. You just have to be smart about there are smart ways to go about expressing yourself that will not yeah. put your jobs in danger. I find snark and sarcasm is a beautiful way to do that. Being clever mm-hmm. is a very good way to one, dismantle uh, anger and anything coming at you and two, keep your job. Yeah, you know? that's the other thing people have to remember. And this is happening a lot now. Like this just happened yesterday with Nick Cannon, who I don't yeah. know. I've never worked with. Him. And there's a lot of talk about um, uh, whether or not uh, he should have been fired for saying what he said. And my response is, um, if you are hired to be a high-profile representative on a show or of a company, of a brand, chances are there's probably going to be a morals clause in the contract, I would guess, which means don't do anything that might damage the value of the show you're working on. And if we feel like you are we can let you go. And uh, I don't even know everything he said, but apparently there was some controversial stuff. And Viacom said, hey, don't need that. So there you go. Read your contracts, people. Yes, read your (laughs) contracts. Yeah. Read your contracts. Exactly. Although I also just don't be a dick, you know? Rule number one. Hey, good morning. Don't be a dick. Right. Try not to be a dick today. That's always a good lesson. Willie Nelson said that. He says, there's really only one rule in life. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Every, everything else is window dressing. If you just get up in the morning and decide, I'm not going to be an asshole today. Good for you. You should be fine. Yeah. You should be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, like you say, if you have no more fucks to give, as or as one of my favorite memes once said, uh, gaze upon my field of fucks and see that it is barren. <laughs> That's the yes. best way to put it. It's like, and, and yep. I think Humphrey Bogart used to say this, um, I'm saving up my fuck you money, which means yeah. I don't have to work for you. I don't have to take this role. And I used to joke and say, yep. I'm saving up my fuck you money. I'm on the U. I still, I have the F yep. and I have the U. I don't have the CK and I, I don't have the other word yet. So I think I have the fuck and I'm working on the Y at okay. this point. But if you look out at my field... The harvest is nigh. <laughs> it is nigh, and there are very few. It's a small, very small. That's the thing: is you get older, the crop of fucks gets smaller and smaller and smaller yes. and smaller until yes. one day you just realize, well, I can leave the John Deere in the garage. I don't have to go out today. I can just <laughs> do what I want. Yeah. What happened to your fuck. field of fucks? It's a tennis court now. Yes, we it is. It's now a field it. of dreams. It's a field it's, of dreams. It's a field of dreams. I've traded my field of fucks for a field, field of, of dreams. Dream. I know. And to that end, like I said, we have I have people from all walks of life on the chat, and they come at me from different experiences. And a lot of them are 12 and 13 years old, even though it's an 18-plus oh. stream, and you know you shouldn't be here. But they've I've already done my part. Life. I know. They've already heard all this. <laughs> and some of them are in their 40s. Some of them are in their 30s. I don't think any of them are as old as me. But what we would love to impart to you is that there's a certain point, and Frida Wolf talked about this, the voice of Loba in Apex talked about this. As you get older, it should be work less for more money. You should continue to work less and make more money. And if at any point you're going in the opposite direction, you need to correct that. 
because yeah. if you find that you're working harder for the same money or less money, then your um, your life is going to get progressively more difficult. Yeah, so, but I think as you get older, you really start to know your worth. Know what you're worth and ask and demand for what you are worth. And and you'll know what that is because you will hopefully have been building and letting that number go up and go up and go up Yeah. Uh, for the work that you do. And hopefully uh, your, as your skill set goes up and up and up as well. Now, if you're really starting to suck over the years, then, you know, Sorry, yeah. you can get as much money. As yeah, the this uh, this theory does not account for diminishing skills. Okay, nope, so uh, yeah, you should uh, hopefully get better at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody is asking, and I, I'm sure we'd love to hear the story on this. The Star Wars background you have. This is the Zoom game. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's that behind you? This is my Imperial Cruiser. I played uh, Governor Price on Star Wars Rebels. Uh, uh, she loved to torture people. She was the most evil character I've ever played, and it was also the easiest character I've ever played. So I'm not sure what's that that says about me. Hedon is not hard for me to play, and he's the worst human right. being I've ever heard of. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so Star Wars, uh, I think Lucas uh, and Star Wars put out a whole... There's a go on their website or just Google Star Wars Zoom backgrounds because these are all legit from them, and they put it out for free for everybody to download. Wow. So you could be on different planets, different cruises, but personally, I had a Star Cruiser, an Imperial Cruiser, so here I am. I nice. And that ties in nicely with what we were talking about with the voice, because Carrie Fisher used to joke and say, George Lucas owns the likenesses of all of his characters, including the Princess Leia, like face. George Lucas owns the, the rights. So every time I look in a mirror, I have to cut George a check. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, is there anybody better than Carrie Fisher? Oh, my God. You know, we, that's, uh, that's what we discover about people. A lot of people didn't know. Carrie Fisher was the go-to screenwriting, uh, uh, I guess, what would they call it? Uh, fluffer? No. Yeah, uh, <laughs> different job. Um, but different job. Uh, no, script doctor. The, screen doctor. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Would, she would work on your script and she would fix it. You would hand yeah. her a script that's sometimes even being shot, and they'd say, something's not right. Send it to Carrie. Princess Leia would bang on that script and make it better. A lot of the movies that came out of the 90s and the 80s, probably more than 90s, too, she was she worked on them, made them better. Yeah. Well, Postcards from the Edge is one of that's the most brilliantly written movies, scripts of all time, and I still quote it almost on a daily basis. You know, somebody talks about comedy and it was like, that's a comedy rule. You know, I mean, there are so many great lines. Oh, I forget the one where it's like, oh, I'm so glad I could get sober so I could be hyper aware during all of these tragedies. You know, I mean, it's just. And if anybody wants to know what ADR is, that's one of the first times I saw mm-hmm. what ADR was, which is an amazing scene between her and Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. uh, who I miss so much. Gene Hackman was one of my favorite actors, is one of my favorite actors of all time. And uh, and it's just a beautiful moment between the two of them as she's trying to fix. There isn't enough mommy in the world to further a cause like yours, and she has to fix mommy to money. And if you want to know what ADR is, that's what it is. That's you can also what watch it is. Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain is another is sort of the very first movie about uh, a musical about ADR. Yes, and if you want to learn about ADR, do not watch Mrs. Doubtfire because I don't know if they've ever had a cartoon that they've finished and said, now let's cast this baby. Because the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire is Robin Williams 
doing the entire script for an animated short. Yeah. While he's watching picture. And I thought, um, well, even I know. And this was in 94 before I even got into voice acting in any serious way. I thought, well, that doesn't happen ever. No, that's never that's impossible. It no, never they did happened. have a magic machine back then that could take the animated characters. And as you talk, it completely does and shifts all the movement and everything else to you. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, they yeah. have that. Sadly, lost in a fire. Never it was lost never in a fire. Found tra- again. The tragic fire of 1990. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, somebody asked, uh, does that become an issue for voice acting, uh, like someone owning your voice legally? The, as I understand it, nobody owns your voice. It's your voice. However, they write a character. They cast you in the part. You use your voice to interpret and express your opinion, your idea of that character. And then... If you speak as that character, that's a gray area. Like Pathfinder sounds so much like me. I can talk like this for the entire interview if I want, and I'm being me, but it also sounds Mm -hmm. like Pathfinder. If I make it clear that I'm doing Pathfinder, then EA would step in or could. I'm not saying that they will. I'm just saying that they could say, you know, that's not the way we write the character. That's not the way we want the character portrayed, and it's their right to do it. So yeah. they don't own my voice, but they do own the expression of that character. So yeah, they do. And you don't own that role, which is right. a whole other conversation. You know, I mean, it's just people get very uh, precious about, well, this is this is my role. And just like and every time somebody says that, I'm like, how many Batmans? Who's which yeah. is your favorite Batman? Yeah. You exactly. Know? There's a reason why they didn't call Adam West in 1989 and say, yeah. are you going to do this movie? Well, I'm, yeah. I'd love to, but I'm uh, in my 60s. So, yes. Uh, you know, oh, did you did you work with Adam? <laughs> no, I never got to. I wish I could have. Uh, so I directed him on Pen Zero Part Time Hero. And Adam had the most amazing thing. He would he would sit behind the mic and he would uh, he would, you know, do his line, you know, uh, Captain Super. Captain, and then he would go immediately like this and look at me, and I would say, That's awesome, Adam. Give us one more, and this time we just want you to, you know, a little more uh energy in there and really finish, you know, whatever. I'd give some sort of direction, and he and he would be like, And he was the nicest. He would get to the studio early and go, we were working it out loud, and he would go to Mark Kendraki. And just say, now tell me the names of everyone that I'm working with today again. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've been here, so please tell me all the names. And he would memorize them like that. And the minute you would walk in or he would walk in, he would be like, Mary Elizabeth, how are you? Oh, Sam, it's so good to see you. Making us feel like family, uh, even though he, he didn't, you know, how many people does Adam West meet in a day? A lot. There's no reason to expect that anybody would remember mm-hmm. anybody's names anymore because 2020. But he was just the most gracious, wonderful, amazing human being. He always introduced his wife as this is my bride. You know, and they've been married for how long? I mean, it was just <laughs> amazing. That's the one great thing about this uh, show. If, if you're lucky enough to work with uh, creators, uh, like Chris Sonnenberg on Tangled was obsessed, is obsessed with Broadway. So we would get all of these amazing Broadway actors in on the show. And I'm just like, I'm living my dream right now, mm-hmm. getting to work with all of these amazing, amazing actors. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, which is really fun. You know, to... yeah, I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> well, blah, 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 blah. One of my mods here, somebody who helps me run the chat on the stream, uh, June McGee says, I remember meeting Mary at an anime con once, either Louisiana or MechaCon, and asking yeah. her to sign something she wasn't even in. Hella awkward. Hella awkward, but did I sign it anyway? I bet you did. I bet I did. Yeah, I bet you signed it anyway. Yeah. You're good that way. It's, if we were in New Orleans, then heck yeah. You know. Yeah. Man, have you been to New Orleans? Not for a long, long time. I once performed at a casino outside of New Orleans in a town called Kenner. And Kenner. I. Uh, it was in the same theater that uh, I guess the following week, Steve Allen was going to be there. This was in 1997. Wow. And the, the problem was it was this open stage. It opened up to the rest of the casino. It wasn't a closed room. And I thought, this is a bad idea. People are just walking by. There's an audience, but then there are people walking by behind them. And the yep. crowd was drunk. And um, halfway through the show, a guy stood up, yelled something at me, and lifted up his shirt and showed me his colostomy bag. So that's my takeaway. Oh. Of, Did you uh, sign it for him? Yeah, no, I didn't get over to him in time. You, you didn't get to sign it. Yeah, you know, I didn't have anything to do with this, but I am. Yeah, exactly. I, I approve of this bag. Um, no, I mean New Orleans. My my brother lives in Austin, Texas, and he visits friends there occasionally. That's a town I would love to live in, but only if I could live in the French Quarter. And even then, I think I would probably regret it. Yeah, because and I think, only in the yeah. winter, because the summer and like we would do yeah. MechaCon in the summer. Uh, we were supposed to do it this year. I was going to be there for the, the last one, and they postponed it till next summer. But man, you walk around Jackson Square, and it's just like everybody's like Wally getting off the off the chairs for the first time because yeah. it's just so sticky and and awful. But oh, it is palpably haunted. I love New Orleans. It is so so haunted. I actually uh, <laughs> I was haunted once there. Um, uh, if you go to Muriel's, Muriel's is uh, a restaurant on the corner, uh, one of the corners of Jackson Square next to the church. And uh, the owner, and I know I'm going to get this wrong. Is somebody in the chat tell me because uh, if I do, because I, I know I will. Um, the owner of Muriel's back in the day, a long time ago, uh, lost the deed in a poker, uh, a poker game. And his wife left him and he ended up hanging himself in oh. an upstairs bedroom. Okay. So every night at Muriel's, they lay out a table at the bottom of the stairs uh, and lay out a table for him every single night. And when you go upstairs, you can see the room where he hung himself. And then they also have, uh, oh, crap. What's that called? A seance room. Uh -huh. So they've got the most, and it is so glorious. <laughs> it's so beautiful and lush and dark and moody and is beautiful. But I remember going into the room where he had hung himself and uh my twin sister called so i was just like oh i shouldn't take so I, I took it in that room and then went out on the porch and uh went back to the hotel and that night at 2 a.m you know hotel phones uh, mm -hmm. some of them have two lines yeah <clears throat> so i get a call at at uh 2 a.m ring 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 pick up the phone it's on line one no answer continues to ring uh, the phone is so many. So I, I pick up line, press line two, and all I hear is. Okay. 
hung out. <laughs> Two hours later, and I was just like, press line one, hello. Press line two. Hang up. Call down to the front desk uh, from line two and say, hi, uh, look, I know there's a con, uh, uh, but could you not put any more calls through tonight? Because I, I got to sleep. I, I need to be present tomorrow. Uh, and she said, are you calling? First of all, uh, are you, I haven't put any calls into you tonight. And are you calling <laughs> down here from line two? And I said, yeah. She goes, we can't put calls in to line two. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I hung up the phone the minute I hang up the phone. It rings. I press one, nothing. I press two, and it starts to dial a number. The number picks up. I was like, okay, I'm out. I opened the curtains. I was just like, no, 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 no. So. So you haven't seen a ghost, but you've heard a ghost. I was yeah. called. I was. You were called, called by a ghost. ghost. I was called by a ghost. That's hmm. the next. Uh, uh, the sequel to Murder She Wrote is, uh, phoned by a ghost. Phoned by a ghost. Phoned by a ghost. Texted by a ghost. Will Texted be the, by the that'll complete the by trilogy. A ghost. Trolled by a ghost. <laughs> Trolled yeah. by a ghost. I um I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, which is a pretty old city. A lot of ghost yeah. stories. Oh, a lot yeah. of uh, same kind of climate. Really sweltering and humid. Spanish moss everywhere. So magnolias and blue. Yeah, I have never seen a ghost. I have, however, once I was sitting in my brother's uh, living room and they had just had their first child and they had a baby monitor in the room down the hall. Nope. Baby monitor. You already know <laughs> nope. where the story's going. You and already oh. know where it's going. Yes. So, yeah, what happens was we're just sitting there playing cards or something and we just hear this. You know, just like stuff getting moved, drawers being opened and closed. And I said, oh, is your, you know, because they lived at their mom's place. Is, is your mom over in that room? They go, nah, that's the ghost. I said, the what? I said, what? well, uh, a guy, uh, an older fellow died, I guess, of a heart attack in the bathroom, which was a, a bedroom with an ensuite bath, died in that room. And every now and then the ghost comes in and just opens and closes stuff. And I had no explanation for the noises I was hearing, except for theirs. And I thought, okay. Um, okay. I, I can't explain that. I'm, there's always an explanation. Either it's, yes, there's an actual ghost, or the baby was making a noise that sounded like that as it was turning over, but it's not what I was, you know. So, yeah, I have no... They, I did read no. that uh, there are certain kinds of... Um, it doesn't answer this story, but there are certain kinds of... Um, uh, like HVAC units and generators and uh, electrical equipment that can emit a frequency that um, human beings, because of their evolutionary makeup, can sense but not actually hear. And that level of frequency makes them alert because it would somehow mimic the growl of a saber-toothed tiger or some sort of predatory animal that from 100,000 years ago, our evolution um, basically implanted in this, DNA. yeah, implanted this response to that. And they said that sometimes people walk by that kind of machinery and they get the feeling like, I'm not alone or something's wrong in here. I, I feel like something is off yeah. and it triggers this evolutionary response. 
But does it call you on line two, Chris? Does it call you no. on line two? This is where the science breaks down a little bit. Ooh, I know. Just a little. Mike dropped. Mike dropped by a ghost. Mike dropped by a ghost. <laughs> yes. So he would never hit the floor. I know. Yeah. It's a, the mic would just simply drift away. Just float away. Now, isn't Silent Hill? I have never watched any of the Silent Hill movies. I've never played any of the Silent Hill games. But isn't that They're kind of ghosty? As fuck. They are, aren't are they so ghosty? Scary. They well, they're more a uh, pyramid heady, rip off your skinny um, kind Ooh, of okay. stuff. It's okay. uh, you're. It is you're caught in limbo. Basically, it's like All have right. you ever seen J- Jacob's Ladder? Yes. That old movie, Jacob's Ladder. Uh-huh. None of your viewers have seen Jacob's but That Ladder. old movie from 1988, which for us yes. is not old, but for everyone not else, apparently all, it but is. But it is an amazing movie. It's yeah. Tim Robbins. And uh, and it's Silent Hill is kind of that sense of you're in limbo and you don't okay. know if you're alive or dead. Ooh. And uh, But what's so genius about the games is Akira Yamaoka, who wrote all the songs. Uh, I, I'm the singer for all of the Silent Hill games from Silent Hill 3 on. Okay. And uh, his sound design is genius because they did this little trick where you can't see anything except for what your flashlight or your lighter uh, is lighting up. And subsequently, you hear all of these sounds and they are awful, (laughs) unworldly, unhuman, Uh. inhuman sounds. So instead of having somebody design something that's really scary and eventually you see it but once by the time you see it your brain has created something so terrifying in your mind that's specific to you and you alone i mean it hits you so hard that when pyramid head finally shows up you're like "Fuck no i am out Uh, or you're just like that's the coolest thing i've ever seen because it's amazing I I wish I could remember the name of the short, but this conjured up the uh, short I once saw, and I do not know the name of it. And it's only like a minute long, I think. It might not even be that long. It's very short. It is extremely effective. It's a woman going to bed, and she turns off her light. And you see, uh, I guess in the moonlight, the silhouette of her in her bed and her, her her night Lit, nightshade or her her lamp mm-hmm. and on her bedside at her bedside table and you see the outline of a kid that turns the light on or is just near her and then disappears as she turns the light on and so this back and forth happens she turns the light off you see the outline of a kid the kid disappears before she turns the light on again she keeps seeing nothing but she keeps hearing steps she keeps seeing the outline of a kid and then finally, no. at the end, she turns on the light and the kid is there. And I will not describe nope. what you yeah, see. No. I will just tell you that I don't scare easy. And I have a vivid imagination. And I can watch a lot of scary movies. That one scared the crap out of me. Yep. And it's got a music sting at the end as well. Of it course. is so well done. I hope whoever made that immediately got some sort of holding deal or, or a development deal because they knew hopefully, exactly what they were doing. Hopefully someone in the chat will be able to remind you. Yeah. Send you a link to where it is. That's that's your If, uh, if your anyone, audience. yeah, if you guys in the chat can find that, it's a short and it's a, it's a, a lady and a little kid and it's live action. 
But the final uh, shot is obviously a CGI effect, but it is so well done. And it's like, is, it, is oh, it like man. that shot in the ring where it turns to the girl in the um, in the closet, and you see her? Her mom says, "I saw yeah. her face sting," and you get this. You know, I mean, just oh, it's I, just the worst thing. My ex husband. Yeah. It used to love scaring the shit out of me. Uh-huh. And I would go out for something and I'd come back and he'd be sitting there watching TV and the TV would be paused. And I'd be like, what are you watching? He goes, oh, I don't know. And he'd press the button. It's just like, and it would take a second for me to register. I saw her face and I was just, no, no. And bang. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Uh, there's a uh, there's a scene. We may as well open this up. What's the scariest stuff you've ever seen in a movie? Oh, Obviously, shit. The Exorcist is the scariest movie that I've ever seen. It ever. It, it makes it for me. Um, uh, I, every year, I try and watch it during Halloween. Oh yeah, and I get to the point where she's convulsing, you know, mm-hmm. in the bed, mm-hmm. and at that point, I just like, nope, I can't, I can't do it, <laughs> I can't do it, which sucks because that voiceover for her when mm-hmm. she's possessed is one of the greatest yeah mccann somebody Meredith, i think it was a lady in her 60s or something mercedes maybe? mccambridge or something. oh mercedes okay mercedes. yeah no cl- yeah, yeah a classic hollywood actress that did it yes. right yeah yes. yeah yes 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 well the exorcist three i did not see the exorcist two the exorcist three which is a pretty good movie it actually is oh. a pretty good movie that william peter blatty the writer of the exorcist directed and it's got uh-huh. it's got George C. Scott <laughs> acting his way through a jungle of scenery. The power of yeah, the Gemini is dead. You know, it's yeah, but he's yep. everything about it is great. And you could tell the screenplay was written by somebody who's written novels. It has that literary quality to it, yeah. and it's got a world class psychotic performance by Brad Dourif as the bad guy really who is amazing in it he's got an extended monologue as a guy in a straitjacket in an asylum talking to george c scott about how he's killing these victims he's leaving his own body possessing people oh. to do these horrific things so exorcist three is already okay. it's a good thriller all right it's it has sort of a rosemary's baby kind of feel to it it's more of a thriller than a horror movie and then there's yeah. one sequence though that I saw in the theater and the sequence is quiet and you know you're watching a quiet sequence and you know at some point they're going to fuck with you. It's coming. You don't see it coming. And when it happens, I remember I saw this in Savannah and Savannah has Hunter Army Airfield where a lot of Rangers, guys who are guys who went through Ranger training. All right. Tough guys. Some of them, some Rangers were in the audience when that Scene happened. One, one. There were two rangers sitting there. One of them got up and said, "Dude, I'll see you later." He walked. He's, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Exorcist Three. You'll thank me later if yeah. you like being scared. Make sure you watch it with the lights out and preferably with no one else around to give you comfort. Yes. I well, when dare I was you. a kid, when I was a kid, uh, I remember uh, driving. I think it was like a Girl Scout. <clears throat> trip into new york and my mom was one of the leaders and she was behind me sitting next to one of the other leaders uh and they had just she my mom's friend had just seen a movie called alien now Ah. at the time there were no like there might have been a trailer or two but really the whole ad campaign was the egg 
and underneath in space, no, no one, one can hear you scream. Now, this is after Star, you know, we've got Star Wars and all this other shit. But when that came out and she sat there and told my mom the entire plot of the movie and I became obsessed. And I was like, uh, mom, please, can I see this movie? And she's like, <laughs> way too young to see this movie. So I found the book and I read the book and then they did a graphic novel of Alien. And I remember it had like a, a centerfold for the chest burster. Oh my God. Taking, I remember taking it to school in junior high going, look at this shit, isn't this amazing? And they're like, oh, you man. have something wrong with you. And when we finally got to see the movie, uh, I was so terrified. We were in my one of my best friends, Mary Kay McGuire's basement, and all of us were watching it. And they got so scared that they left. They ran upstairs, and I was so terrified <laughs> that I couldn't move. I could not move. And that night, for the next couple nights, I could just see alien the alien chasing lambert down the hall for that oh, scene man. that we never i mean never got to see of that amazing again sound design of yep. her screaming while ripley's running down the hallway and you just hear lambert being killed i mean yeah oh boy i remember let's see volte here one of my mods is saying the conjuring was really scary i have not seen the conjuring but i talked about this before i worked on it i did um uh patrick wilson's efforts and really? uh, yeah, for certain scenes. And James Wan, the director, who also directed the Saw movies and directed Aquaman, yeah. um, he directed the ADR. Sometimes the director of the movie directs the ADR. It's rare, but it does happen. And yeah. here's this just unassuming guy on the couch. just And I'm watching just the footage. I mean, this is footage. Mm -hmm. This this isn't even this is a uh, you know it's it's not a completely finished edit and I'm watching it and I'm saying I'm not going to be able to see this movie I want to see it my wife will never go and see this movie she does no. not like scary movies I'm going to have to just sort of watch it on TV one night and mm -hmm. it was yeah the, just the passage we were doing uh, I was thinking man this movie's going to be scary as hell well. You know, I, I did, Steve and I do a lot of cons every year mm. where we used to. And uh, that was always my favorite place to watch horror movies because it took the fear of the horror movie, took my mind off my fear of flying. And I oh. also knew that I couldn't scream. I couldn't, you know, so I would, and I watched The Conjuring. I would, and every time I'd get on a plane, like six months later, I was like, oh, is The Conjuring 2 out? Oh, yes. And then, and then uh, Annabelle's like, is Annabelle out? I can watch it on the plate. I'm so excited. And Steve was sitting next to me going, why are you doing this? Because I do a thing where I'll, I'll plug my ears and, and like put my hand, fingers inside. So I just get a blurred version of what's going on. Cause I know the music stinger's coming. Right. And I know, and I just love it. It's a glutton for punishment. I just so... absolutely love it. But the one about the nun, uh, I can't. I can't do the one about the nun. I have not seen that. Well, you know, probably Catholic girl growing up. Uh, no, no, uh, Episcopalian. But for some reason, the me vision too. because they show that uh, they showed her, and I think The Conjuring too, the beginning of it. Uh, the wife sees this. It was such a traumatic moment for her. So, and everyone was like, "What is that crazy nun in the basement?" So they made a movie about they they did the next Conjuring with that, and I, I need to get on a plane again so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that you exchange the fear of flying for just fear of something else. It's not like yeah. you're trying to not be scared. You just thought, fuck it, I'll just redirect my my fear. 
yes to something that's at least entertaining direction Mm -hmm. i actually went through a period where i was terrified of flying and it was mainly because i had one flight where the turbulence was so bad that they had to stop showing the movie which i had not encountered before but they were just hitting some serious turbulence they took the movie out of the this was in 98 when When they showed movies on a vcr (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah and they said yeah we got to stop showing the movie and it's not like the very next flight I was scared. It was just I became a bit more unnerved. And then over a period of two or three years, this this anxiety about flying grew. And it was because I just didn't know what was going to happen on the plane. I used to just yeah. say, oh, this is so much fun to fly. And it took me a while to get over that. Mm-hmm. And it takes it takes time. It, yeah, it but takes I love time. flying now. I love flying. And I still, of course, the turbulence hits and I'm immediately ah. knuckling the chair. <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, I'll eventually we'll ease off and, and try and go back to sleep if I can. You know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I love the whole idea of traveling. I miss I miss that. I miss, you know, because if you travel as much as like we did, you had it down like you had clear. Right. You had a global entry. So uh, it was it was a well-oiled machine. You know, mm-hmm. you can get through LAX uh, TSA in two minutes. Yeah from getting out of the car or checking your bag to getting up to looking at Barney's beanery at the Delta terminal, you know, and it's just like that fast. Mm -hmm. Same with global entry coming back from like, you take the worst picture you've ever taken of yourself in your life on that little machine after a 13 hour flight from somewhere. And they're like, look here. And you're just, huh? (laughs) That's what you hand to the government saying, hi, thank you. Yeah. I've learned about me. One of the things I didn't like about flying, and I learned it later when I when I uh, flew first class. The only time I've flown first class is a uh, oh, I don't know if I hate flying as much as I hate being squeezed into a space yeah. and then bounced around on the clouds a little bit. If I have more space, I'm less anxious. I'm just yes. more relaxed, and I I get more into the moment of. Isn't this amazing what we're doing? We're going up in this tube and we're going at 500 miles an hour. We're 30,000 feet above the earth. This is amazing. This is transcendent. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're I'm, sandwiched between two jagoffs And somebody's farting in front of you and it's yeah. just the worst. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah, flying's not so magical. Yeah, I know. I love night flights, though, because uh, L.A. has so much light pollution. It's the only time I get to... Every now and then, like depending on the time of year, I was just like, oh, the Milky Way is up, you know, so I can uh-huh. sit there and try and take a shaky shot of the Milky Way if I've got my camera gear with me for yeah. whatever reason. Oh, this brings back what you told me yesterday when we were doing our little tech test that yeah. you uh, can claim some credit for getting Roger Craig Smith down the rabbit hole of photography. I take full credit because okay. he was all he was all into the telescope, which is amazing. And he's got some unbelievable gear. And I think he at that point he was taking shots through the computer, through the, the telescope. And I took this one shot at Hawaii Con on the beach. Um, I wonder if I have it. Yeah, it's on the wall behind me. Uh, in my quarters. Um, uh-huh. uh, and uh, well, here I can. And I sent it to him and he's like, what the? And I said, yeah, we were on the beach. I I had my camera in the sand uh, and just left it open. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, but this is one of the shots. If I can find it. So, uh, and Roger, that was it. Roger said, how did you do it? Uh, Tell me how. And I did, and he went crazy for it. Um, But like, this was a bucket list. So now I sort of 
get my travel based around where we're going. Mm -hmm. We went to Hawaii uh, during the lava flow, and uh, it was my bucket list to get a shot of the Milky Way with a lava flow, uh, and I got it, which was kind of awesome. You can see it. Wow. Wow. So lava flow, Milky now, Way. Tell me that that is not... That's not hanging on a wall because you're planning on storing it. Is that why? Yes, because that I that is amazing. Okay. Yeah, and it's on metal. Really? really yeah, and it makes it, it, it parts of it just glow. It, like the lava, the white of the lava just glows along with the stars of the Milky Way. And oh my God, it was just an amazing. Could you amazing could you put that on velvet for me or velour? <laughs> I could put it with Elvis flying out of the Milky Way for you. If you want, Chris, I can do that for That'd be you. nice if you could put maybe a unicorn in there. Yeah, I can do that to have. You can have it. So this is my there. filthy, messy office. Hey. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's breaking the fourth wall. We went from an Imperial cruiser to... Uh, I know. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, this is my yeah. stuff. It's just a bunch yeah. of stuff. This is my stuff. It's like, I've got like all these pops, like Funko Pops. <laughs> like a... There's another Milky Way. Oh, there's the fissure. Okay, that one is, if you can see that, I don't know if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, after the uh, volcano uh, erupted in uh, two years ago, and fissure eight uh, opened up in, um, uh, I think it was Leilani Estates, and became this geyser of lava and destroyed wow. all of these homes. We went a year later, and we met the man who was actually, uh, his house was fissure nine. Uh, which was a smaller fissure, and he said, "Come on, I'll, I'll give you a tour and everything else." So that is actually fissure nine, and it's still smoking. I think it's still smoking to this day. You can see what it did to the trees and everything. Wow. Else. Okay. It's amazing. Hawaii yeah. is a magical place. Yes. Yes. And um, so we know that Roger Craig Smith, who does Mirage and Apex, like a lot of these mm -hmm. good folks do, um, Roger is totally into his photography, and he goes to oh. Idaho to mm -hmm. get those clear skies you're going to hawaii right to get that's the clear a, skies yeah to get the clear We're skies in search of dark skies anywhere we can go dark 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 skies what's the closest to los angeles you have to be to get clear dark skies how far away do you have to go when you until you finally get no light pollution oh um uh bishop i think if you go to uh just south of mammoth okay uh if you hit the mojave there, there are a lot of places. It does take a while. It's probably two or three hours to, to get out uh, to somewhere safe. But heck, you can go up to Santa Clarita. And it's, sometimes it's kind of nice to get a little bit of the, the, the glow of humanity underneath it, uh -huh. which is kind of fun. Okay. Uh, it just, it accents it, which is really nice. Interesting. Uh, but it's, of course, but heck, there's so many satellites up there now. You're not going to get a clear shot anyway. So. Really? Thanks, Elon. Yeah, all these Starlink freaking satellites, you know, uh, are just polluting the sky. So you, what it used to be, you would look up and just be like, oh, my God, I think that's a satellite. And now you're just like, God, how many satellites are there up there? Because you just when you're doing a long exposure to get these kind of shots, it's anywhere between 15 and 20 seconds. And you've got this beautiful thing and you think, oh, my God, what is that thing streaking across the sky? Is it a fault? You know, is it a meteor? And it's like, right. no, it's a satellite. You it's know? a satellite. Yeah. Which is still kind I... of cool. But after a while, it's just like when you've got five satellites in one shot, you're just yeah. like, dudes, come on. 
So you're being photobombed by Elon Musk. And being photobombed by Elon Musk. Okay. Which is wrong. Yeah. On many levels. I oh, met no. him. I met him you once. Did. Yes, because he did a guest star on The Simpsons and he was at the table read. And so everybody was crowded around him. And I just made sure to take one second. And I I, um, I just said, hi, uh, I'm, I'm uh, a fan of what you're doing, you know, uh, SpaceX and Tesla, all that. And I said, you know, thank you for, for what you're doing, you know, with technology and all that. And I'll never forget, he looked at me as perhaps a Doberman pincher might look at an Ottoman. Just, <laughs> just like that, you know. And I just realized that I'm not registering. I, I you know, I, he's busy thinking about cold fusion right now you, while you this person a, is you just... You are a 1K tone. That yeah. Is, that's and, all you are. Dude. Yeah. I, I thought, this is what it must be like if you're in the Terminator movie and Schwarzenegger is walking through and he's just registering heat signatures. And yeah, I'm just like a lamp, you know, I just, no. It's not like he was mean or dismissive. It's just he looked at me and sort of registered that I had spoken. And then he went back to what he was doing. He didn't say anything? No, it was just sort of one of these things like, yeah. And then everyone else went back to talking his head off. And I just thought, okay. So, yeah, and one of the writers owned a Tesla, and it had been having problems. <laughs> and he went and basically says, I have awesome. to show you this. No, he brought Elon over to his car and was showing no. him everything it was doing wrong. And Elon's response was, yeah, it uh, shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can you get under the hood, Elon? Can you, yeah, can you check I, that? I thought that was just turn it over, and you, you go in there, and you know, you know what to do, right? Yeah, I thought it was funny that... Yeah, why not just get him to roll up his sleeves? And it's like it's not like he's gonna just go. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. Sit in the car and go. Yeah, it's me. And the car just suddenly starts behaving, and then he gets out. Yeah, you won't have any more problems. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that would be amazing. Just that every car vocally recognizes him, uh, so that he could have an escape vehicle anywhere in the world that there was a tesla that would be interesting if elon has a secret code that if he speaks it kind of like the manchurian candidate why don't you relax by playing a bit of bridge if he says that every tesla like and i'm referencing two movies now like at the end of Mm -hmm. the iron giant just starts going and they assemble into a giant autobot or or transform the russian guy in 2012 engine start and that's it. That's all you need. And then, and they would all come. Interesting. And make a giant Autobot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One huge Tesla transformer. To this rule was us all. See, this was part of the fun I have when you were direct me in in Naruto. Is that you know doing the lines was fun, but it was the moments in between where I could get you distracted <laughs> enough to where we could just joke with each other. <laughs> Yes, because and just go and go because I think we just yeah. referenced six, six or seven movies. Probably that little exchange. For those of you that wonder what voiceover sessions are like, mainly it's you get in and you do your thing. But if there's any kind of fun, spirit of fun and chemistry, and there usually is, there yeah. are moments of levity that you need so that you can mm-hmm. sort of recharge and then go back to it. And you are one of the best levity inducers because oh, you good. get you get every reference. You get all. I do of get it. every reference. Plus, I know what it's like to be in the booth to be uh, faced with a wall of glass and silence. Yeah, 
because nobody's talking to you. They're all in there and you can see them talking. The, the, the paranoia that is unleashed uh, through the process of voiceover can be uh, daunting. So you always, I find that it's very important to make sure the actor knows it's like, oh, we're just ordering lunch. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, because yep. otherwise you start that spiral and the monkey on the shoulder is going, they're going to fire you. You suck. You don't belong here. You know, I reference something new. Yep. I referenced that exact phenomenon last week when I was chatting with one of the writers for Apex. Um, I told a story about being them being on the other side of the glass and them doing one of these going, no, it's fine. Hang on, Chris. Uh, no, no, it's good. It's good. No, no problem. And I ended up getting fired. <laughs> it just took oh. about 12 episodes. It was a long, drawn-out thing, but uh, it was just because they didn't really know what they wanted. But it yeah. took 12 or 13 episodes to get there and one restart later. But the one time that did turn out to be true. But for the most part, no. It's, yeah, they're ordering lunch. They're thinking about something else. No one over yeah. there. There's usually one person that knows what's going on, and the rest of the people are just checking their email. They're, yeah. they're just web Or it's surfing. a writing issue. It's just like, yeah. for some reason that isn't coming, you know, but that's usually when I try and engage the actors as well. Just, just to let, you know, the performance was amazing, but uh, the writing doesn't seem to be, we're, we're, you know, having difficulty wrapping our minds around that the, that your character would actually say this. Right. So just give us a second. And in that way, it can engage you to get into the process as well. So you can contribute because voiceover, I think what people don't realize is, one of the most collaborative uh, industries or aspects of of, uh, of animation. It, it's I love voiceover. It is a collaboration. I mean, it it's between even you know what the engineer brings to it, what the writers bring to it, what obviously the uh, animators, the storyboard artists. But being in the room during a record is such a fun collaborative ever because mm -hmm. actors come in and they're just like, so what do you want me to do? You know, right. and it's just like, or someone will come in going, this is how I see the character. And it's just uh, like, okay, so today's going to be fun because uh, now we're going to realize <laughs> okay. that. Oh, uh, you're you, one of those. Okay. You're one of those. Yeah, we've been working on these scripts or these people have been working on these scripts and story for three years. So it's our first session. Let's work together so that mm -hmm. we can all tell the same story. Yes. Well, I did a, I call these squad ups where we get into the same squad playing the game, playing in Apex, you get three person squads. You go in and you shoot stuff. That's, that's, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sketching broad strokes here, but that's the game. And uh, in my case, it goes poorly. So, cause I'm no good at it, but Roger Craig Smith and Johnny Young, I don't know if you've worked with Johnny Young. He's new. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have worked with Johnny. Okay, I think great. I directed Johnny for uh, Blizzard. Okay. Uh, was he in Far of... Uh, no, something. Yeah, I directed him in uh, I think okay. of the Storm. So yeah. Johnny uh, and Roger both do characters as well. So a couple of weeks ago, we did a squad up where we all got on the stream and um, Roger did an extended riff on the horrible voice director who is the, the micromanaging voice director. And Johnny played the poor put upon voice actor who's just trying to please, just trying to get it right. And the mm -hmm. the the lengths that Roger went to to make the point of this is how you micro direct somebody into an absolute corner to where they want to quit the business. And it was so funny because it was everything but a line reading, which sometimes I actually will say, What well, how how would you like for me exactly. to say it? I'll give you a line reading and we'll all go home early. I don't yeah, I don't have an I'm ego. Fine. 
Yeah. You you know the story better than I do. You yeah. know how you want it to sound. Obviously, it's an important plot point that it has to sound this way or you wouldn't yeah. be asking, I'm assuming. So give me a line reading. Yeah. yeah, I have worked with Emmy-winning voice actors who have said, I don't mind a line reading. Give me one. Yeah. You know, I have no problem with that. We all want to, I guess at the end of the day, we want to get out of there. We want to do good work, yeah. but nobody wants to hang around longer than they have to. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just sometimes it's just a, sort of an ego stroke where... It's like, I can get it out of them naturally. I know I can. And as a director, I want it to be natural from them. Right. 100%. But after a while, if we're on take six or seven, it's just like, you know, that take that you did a while back, you know, unfortunately we had some tech on it. Just give me that read. And then the read was like, we've got to get out of here. You know, just give me that like three of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And no offense to you. And I'll, and I'll apologize. Sorry for the line read. And that's when they'll go, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Give me a line read. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather get out of here. You know what you want. So let's go. But yeah. Well, last resort. Yeah. As a, as a sort of a PSA for people who are interested, maybe, maybe if they're not interested in becoming a voice actor, but if you want to know what goes into making these games and these, these animated series and shows that you enjoy, the voice acting part of it takes usually the least amount of time. Obviously the animation, the writing, the uh, the game design the development that that's that's very very important but you can George Clooney once said about a script he says you can make a bad movie out of a good script but you can't make a good movie out of a bad script it's just not going to happen if you uh, get everything show girls show oh yeah I stand corrected hey, that's one for you uh, um, if if you George Clooney <laughs> yeah like you know something like you know so much yeah. If you get a great game together and you just have a bunch of really crappy voice acting sessions, you're going to sink the game on levels it doesn't deserve to go to. So I know when you have that responsibility put in your hands as the director, are there things you do at the beginning and during a session where you realize that, okay, I've got to, I've got to take this turn or make this pivot here to make this work. It's just, uh, it's not clicking with this actor it's nobody's fault. It's just something I'm sensing. How am I going to get this where we need to go? Do you have, have you had to go into your bag of tricks before or is it oh, just, yeah. you, you do it by yeah. feel? There's all, yeah, there, uh, yes, you have to have a bag of tricks. Every actor has a key and you got to find it. And mm. that's the, the, the prime job of the director is first and for, foremost to get an actor into a place of comfort and safety uh, and trust that mm -hmm. they will be willing to go with you on mm -hmm. this journey and then stake out the journey. It's just like, ah, you're, you're giving out too much at this point. We got, we got a long way to go. So right. don't blow your wad on the first line. We got a whole, we a long, long way to go. Right. But yeah, there are definitely times. And then there are just times when I realize that this is not going to work and I'll, and I'll usually, you know, look down at my script and I say, how are we doing guys? And they're like, no, I said, okay, great. Let's move on. You know, and we will finish out. I've very rarely just cut someone I don't think I have ever a session cut someone loose. Uh, you finish up, you get one or two takes instead of really trying to hammer it. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing 10, 15, 20 takes of something and it's not the writing, then acting is, is it's like baking. If you get it right, yeah, you know, I mean, it's delicious. But man, if you substitute sugar for salt or salt mm -hmm. for sugar, you're like, oh, that ugh, that's not right. And it's no fault of the salts. It's just it should have been sugar. So that's right. when you sort of have to 
rethink, reevaluate. And that happens. It happens on the lead, a lead of uh, a very popular series that I just directed. Um, and we initially had a different actor in for the lead. And you just, we just knew, we just knew. And, uh, and I was just like, I don't know what else to tell you guys. We're, you know, <laughs> It's no, and they don't, what's nice is the producers always say, well, it's not your fault. And sometimes it can be, it can very well be the director's fault. If the producers are in love with an actor, they're going to find a director that can get the performance right. out of it. So as a director, you've got to be careful too, which is, you, you got to be very adaptable to actors because actors are unbelievably strong and talented and terrified and fragile. And you've got to be able to get in there and make them feel comfortable because if they get scared if they feel like they they can't trust you mm. they'll shut down actors will shut down and the minute that wall goes up you're done creatively you're done oh. at that point you know it's funny i'm trying to think of if i've ever shut down on someone for me shutting down and i think for most actors shutting down is basically i'm going to give you your read it's not going to have the same elan in it that you probably want it but i'm going to give you your read because i'm a professional but something has been broken here and it ain't going back together, but I'll finish the session. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure at some point or another it's happened, but mainly it, it usually is a combination of things. I don't think I've ever been so turned off by a director that I've just shut down and just gone yeah. by rote. I think it's usually a confluence of things. Like I remember getting to a session once it was at the end of the day. I had done other sessions. I was exhausted. I was hungry. I had lost my wallet at a, um, <laughs> I'd been out on a date the night before I'd left my wallet at the restaurant. I had to drive all the way across town to get it and then barely made the session. Hadn't had a time. I hadn't had time to eat anything. I was begging for scraps of anything I could eat before we started what was going to be probably a four hour session. And so it was almost an involuntary shutdown. I gave them what they needed, but they realized, uh, you know, he wasn't himself. Yeah. And I've never encountered a director that just made me not want to give them something because they were just, just not really in control of, well, of the session. I remember working with, uh, and that's the key, is someone who has done their homework. And I have yeah. worked with directors who have not done their homework. Mm -hmm. And it's maddening to me, especially as someone who directs and who does nothing but homework right. before I get into the studio so that I'm, I'm, I know backwards and forwards where I'm going with this, how I can help uh, pull out a performance to make the people behind me or next to me satisfied. And I remember going in to a session and someone, and the director was like, okay, here we go. All right. Line one. Whoa, we got to get out of here now. Okay. Hey, let's do that line. Let's do that three times. What's the, what's the context here for this? I mean, the line is we got to get out of here now. We got to get out of here now. We got to get out of here now. Okay. Let's, let's have you do that. And, and, and I thought, oh, this is an anomaly. This can't, be the entire session right this okay is... sure yeah yeah we gotta get out of here now it's like yeah yeah great great i love that yeah we gotta get out of here now let's do that and i'm like okay let's do it again and then the next line is like okay on to the next line what have we got here wow oh boy <laughs> moonlight kingdom you gotta get the is that it is this are we going i mean is that and it went on and on and i just started the minute he started reading 
uh, the line, I would be like, da, 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 yep, 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 yep. I mean, just because uh, it, it, it made me so angry. And I really believe that this process, I was talking to Dee about this, the process should be fun. Even if you're screaming your nuts off, yeah. at the end of the day, you're just like, oh, that felt great. It hurt like hell. But creatively, emotionally, yes. it should be a positive process. It yeah. should be a fulfilling uh, process. I had an acting teacher who said, I don't know who ever told you acting was supposed to be fun. They were wrong. And I'm like, I will prove you, disprove you every day I possibly can. So when someone <clears throat> does make it not fun, that's when I get like, you have no power here. You know, I, uh, I, I am... I, I, I try to be patient, um, and I know that I am not, uh, you know, the end-all, be-all. So I try to come to every session with a sense of gratitude. Hey, I'm working. It's nice to be working, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it fun? Isn't it fun that I get to do this, and I, I don't have to, to be this. the person that parked the car for me because I know yeah. that person has stuff they'd rather be doing. But when you get a director like that, my first instinct is almost, I'm going to give him about five more minutes of this, and then... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to actually start making suggestions as to how we might get out of here on time, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking I, I, I start doing the calculus. What are the odds that I piss them off? And what happens if I piss them off? I don't get to work with them again. I don't mind pissing them off. Let's go. Let's yeah. do this. I, <laughs> I you, you just start doing the, the cost benefit analysis right there. It's like, you know what? I'll bet you'd like a sandwich. Why don't you go get yourself a sandwich and the engineer will just hit that red button. We'll leave it open. You get back here. I'll have your. I'll have your takes done, huh? What do you say there, yep. cowboy? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Hired hand. So I actually, I uh, I was an actor in a series for a long time, and uh, for some reason, the director the director did the same thing. It's just like, oh, here we go, line forty eight. We gotta go now. And I just and after an hour of it, I said, can you please just let me have a shot at it just let me have a shot at it and then you can line read me till the cows come home just give me one shot at bringing my own twist to it just one and we'd been working together for so long and i was miserable in my marriage at the time so i just exploded i've never done that to any other director and i apologize profusely but i was just like just let me try it just one don't give me a line read right off the bat i will say i had somebody uh Oh, hello, Lady Fluffykins on the chat. You and your five-year-old daughter, Nora. Yeah, your five-year-old daughter, Nora. Well, I adore you and, and your, your daughter, Nora. So thank you very much. I am having a wonderful day. And it's more wonderful now, thanks to you. Um, I did have a director give me line readings for basically every line. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't like it, um, but I didn't mind it because he was fast. I said, okay, yeah. all right, fine. If we're going to do this, okay, we're just going to do cover tunes. Is that what we're going to do, cover tunes? Yeah. Fine. Then we'll do Ramon's cover tunes and get the fuck out of here quick. How about that? If you're going to line Absolutely. read me, get me out early. Then I don't mind. Absolutely. I don't care. I'm your piano. Play me. I'm good. But, yeah. man, you just you, – you've heard the, the William Shatner uh, yes. of the producer says, no, you – Will, could you do it a bit, or Bill, could you do it a bit more like this? You know, it's like the Orson Welles in July. It's that yeah. same thing. And this poor producer or said director, the, I don't said know, the wrong said thing the to the wrong, wrong dude. Thing, the wrong, wrong dude. And man, that was just, that was painful to listen Folks, to. Folks, Google William Shatner voiceover outtakes, outtakes and you will yeah. get treated 
to a cavalcade of, yep. if you want to use the word, privilege. Here's a guy <laughs> who is not having it. And, and to the point where if I was a director and I heard that and I ever got assigned a William Shatner voiceover session, I would say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that he's ready to start. First of all, my God, if the guy says he wants a plate of sushi, better have that goddamn plate of sushi ready. All right. Yep. Just this is a guy who ain't having it. And I would say, I tell you what, we're going to do um, one pass uh, any way you want to do it. And then we'll do one more for safety and just make them happy. And Never safety, coverage. Oh, coverage. Never okay, say sorry. Safety. Coverage. Never say safety because they're just like, safety? Huh. Engineer, are you having a problem today with what you're doing? A yeah, very see? famous actor said that and just said, no, sir, I am not having a problem at all then you don't need a safety, do you? And oh I was just God. like, change the word to coverage. So now coverage. I'm always like, you know, for coverage. We just need it for coverage. For coverage. Yeah, because mm -hmm. somebody once made a mistake of saying something like that to an actor who wasn't having it, saying, that was perfect. Let's get one more. If it was perfect, then you don't need one more, do you? I, I'm i in a box. I'm done. Okay, sorry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you have lost... I don't want to say the high ground as a director because it's not about that, but you yeah. have been shoved to the edge of the raft and are <laughs> holding on for dear life yeah. at that point. Yeah. And it's at that point, it's almost just like, I don't want to hear from you again. I just yeah. want to hear from the, the creator and you get to s sit, right. you know, relinquish the captain's chair at that point. Well, and that's what, this is the interesting dynamic. Obviously you've been on set. I've been on set. You see a dynamic on a set. You know who the 800 pound gorilla is. Sometimes it's the director. Sometimes yeah. it's the lead. Sometimes the, it's, it's rare, but sometimes the 800 pound gorilla is this shared gorilla. Like I, I, from what I've heard on a Clint Eastwood set, he's the gorilla, but he doesn't push people around. It's just, he's chill. Everybody's chill. He uses the same crew. The dynamic yep. is pretty easy. Nobody brings egos. They know better than to do that. Two takes, you're out. Yeah, exactly. So in a voice acting session, on most of these sessions, you're you're working with actors that know each other, that work together. I, I you know, I'm sure there's a gorilla phenomenon, but I would bet that it exists more when you're doing something with a huge name, or if you're a commercial director and they said no. We're going to get Sandra Bullock to do this voiceover as God is my witness because I love Sandra Bullock. And then, well, if Sandra Bullock shows up and she decides she wants to tell stories for two hours before she records, they're going to let her do it. Because mm -hmm. I've heard stories, not about Sandra Bullock. I heard stories about an A-list action movie star who um, uh, the director said the only word I could use to describe them is diva. Oh. Yeah. They, they show up when they feel like it. They tell stories with their crew for two hours, and then they order lunch. And then at the end of the day, they start recording. I know who this person is. Oh, you do? I bet I do. I'll, talk, I'll, 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 uh, I'll okay. see after, after this is over. I'll ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I will neither confirm nor yeah. deny anything that the chat throws out there. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I will tell Mary who it is, but first I'll make yeah. her guess. But we'll do this off stream. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I directed William Shatner for eight hours, and uh, I I asked uh, someone what's the best piece of advice, uh, and he said, "Well, 
It's either going to be the best day of your life or the worst day of your life. Do whatever you can to make it the best day of your life. And it was. It was an amazingly fun, wonderful set. I was going to say, I'll bet he liked you. I bet you just knew how to flip the switch. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) in the meantime, yeah, I know sometimes the dynamic is it's an actor you've worked with a bunch of times before, but you know, all right, if they're coming in at four o'clock and I know this person works all the time, they've probably done three sessions. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not going to get them the I'm not going to get the same them at four that they were at 9 a.m. No, that's true. And I have let actors go uh, if they've come in and they're like, oh, man, I just did a World of Warcraft session or or, you know, whatever. Screaming, screaming, screaming. I was screaming for four hours. So I was like, OK, well, we're going to let you go because yeah. it's we're going to have to redo it anyway. And I don't want to hurt you any further than you've already been mm-hmm. hurt today so there's just no point so, right good luck go home have some tea relax yeah rest have you had an a-list uh actor or maybe an a-list level voice actor ever been again i don't want anyone dropping names i'm not here to make somebody's <laughs> life more difficult but have you encountered that and realized that I'm not going to be able to say or do anything to get them out of the mood they're in. This is just what I'm going to have to deal with for the next however many hours. Is that yep. something you've come across? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because people come in uh, with baggage. This, this one actress uh, just came in and she had just something traumatic and and she just broke down crying. Oh, my God. And. I said, come on, let's let's go take a walk. And we walked uh-huh. around the block yeah. and came back. And I said, so the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay you for today regardless. You can go or we can work. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And she decided to stay and mm-hmm. get through it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think directors at some point also have to be a bit of a psychiatrist uh, or a therapist in a way yeah. to pull people out of the world that they've just come from with all this sensory noise and everything else, bring them into a very, very quiet room and place them in the world of the character so much that they forget about all that other crap. It's, you know, leave your bags at the door, which is really the responsibility of an actor, but we're all human. So we have to be hyper, hyper, hyper sensitive to that and be ready for it, you know? So if it does happen and I've gotten pissed off at actors before, but uh, I can't let that show because it shuts down my creativity as well. So that's yeah. just like, I'm going to take a five, you know, and I'm just right. going to go have a cigarette. I'm going to be fine and, you know, or go have a vape, <laughs> you know, and, and, and relax, calm myself, breathe, and come back in and realize it's supposed to be fun. So with all the shit in the world, you get to do this. You get to come in and, right. and create something with amazingly talented people uh, and and entertain people and maybe have some, not that's the reason why we do it, but uh, have an effect on people's lives, make their mm-hmm. days brighter, better, give them more insight into something. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, we're very lucky to do this. Yeah. We're very lucky. Yes. Agreed. And we work very hard to get that luck. Yes. I Obviously, you, you uh, the old saying, uh, funny, the harder I work, the luckier I get. You, yes. you find yourselves... I've told this to people on the stream, and this works for... To me, this works for everything. And not everyone agrees with this. I have a friend who is in show business who says, 
you're famous, and when you're not famous, you're face down in a ditch. And he believes it's one or the other. I know. He says, you're either hot or you're face down in a ditch, and then they pull you back out. I have the opposite view. I believe that, you know, people always say, well, I never got my big break. I, I There are very few big breaks. There's a lot of tiny little breaks that take you farther than you were yesterday. And all you have to do is be prepared. And sometimes that that little tiny break is meeting a director and leaving a good impression. Or sometimes yeah. your little break is putting out a good demo or nailing one audition to get a decent job that leads to more work. And you're getting up this ladder. And after a few years of these breaks, you'd have to work hard to go back to zero. You'd have to burn bridges. Oh, yeah. 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 So and you can, actually, you can do that pretty in this environment today. One wrong phrase. We're a little yeah. polarized, aren't we? Yeah, you... we are. And we're polluted in a way, too. So it's like we need a this town needs an enema. You know? Yeah. We, just, we need to get back to a place of positivity and creativeness. And I think there will be a renaissance coming out of this. I hope so. Uh, Have you seen think... politics getting into the nuts and bolts of recording a show? Has it has it crept in and made it harder for you? Uh, it's okay. So uh, I directed Shira, and okay. we started right before ah, the election. Another one I was very happy to hear that you were in charge of because Twitter blew up around Shira. A lot of people are yeah. really happy about that. I'm so glad because mm -hmm. so much love went into it, and it was. There were more women on that show than any other show I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. In fact, we had an actress come in who is a little bit older than, than I am. And she went into the booth and she sort of looked into the control room. And except for the engineer, she goes, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. There are six women in that room. I I cannot believe what I am seeing. So it was... Uh, it was one of the most diverse shows I've ever worked on uh, in terms of race, sexuality, mm -hmm. everything. And it was so representative of of where we, I believe, of where we yeah. are, of, of uh, the true melting pot of humanity. And uh, so it was... Uh, it was an unbelievable experience, but this is all going back to the question, which I've forgotten. Which well, was... has politics made it ah, harder yes. in, yeah. on any okay. level to do the work you're doing? So uh, Noelle Stevenson, who uh, was the writer, uh, Punch Up the Script, I believe, was the Carrie Fisher. Ah, uh, yeah, Punch Up. Yes, script punch up. Doctor, Punch uh, Up, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Noelle had written this script and uh, this episode, and She-Ra at one point was, you know, they're fighting against the horde, and you're fighting against the oppressors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Trump had just gotten elected, and uh, she was having to do this monologue where she was lost and feeling lost and feeling you know despair and and trying to find a way to to get through it and uh at one point i think she, she basically at the end of of the monologue it was something along the lines of and the only thing we can do is is to remember that we are stronger together and amy just burst into tears and uh, we all did because we were just so yeah of course it creeps in and of, of course yeah. it it everything becomes representative it's it's impossible not to let it not to let it creep in into the writing you know uh especially for a show like she-ra which is about this 
all of us basically you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean where we are right now mm -hmm. uh young people fighting and everybody fighting against the injustices of the world uh the oppression uh the misogyny uh, all of it so it's right. um yeah it was uh that was an amazing 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 journey to go mm -hmm. through so yeah politics creeps in and people come in and they're very passionate mm -hmm. about where we stand today and I, I don't think i'm giving anything away if you follow ron perlman on twitter you know how he feels he's very much and an activist very uh, much an activist and yeah. he came in untangled and we spent you know you talk about celebrities coming in and talking you know we talked for a half an hour out of a 20 minute session really? and it didn't matter we're just like we'll and you know chris sonnenberg was like we'll get the lines it's four lines it's fine yeah we, we overbooked you because we knew we need to talk you know i yeah. mean it's just <laughs> and there's a perspective that you want to hear you know so of course of course it creeps in because we're all you know to stay relevant you need to uh be plugged in and if you're plugged in you're going to get yeah involved and you're going to get uh inundated with all of this and all of this messaging will affect you uh well it's and then and then add it add in a pandemic so it's just yeah which then adds to the anger which adds to the fire which adds to all of it and and it's you know we, we're all going to need a lot of uh <laughs> a bit of mental um encouragement and, and yeah. care at the end of all of this and not just because of the politics, but because of what it has done, this whole situation mm -hmm. has done to us. I mean, there's there's a, either you're 100%, yeah, I mean, you talk about being high or down in the ditch. Yeah. That's kind of where we are right now, yeah. I feel like. And every day is, am I feeling good and feeling positive today or am I down in the ditch? Mm -hmm. And it's, we need to pull pull somebody, you know, help this person needs to help this person which is both right. you pull yourself up at you know to get back at that 45 degree angle of like i'm okay yeah I'm okay it's not all great it's not all bad but you know the pendulum is swinging really hard and for no reason at times it feels like it's like oh it's tuesday <gasps> you know like fuck yeah uh, i think people um I have uh, I have advocated for therapy multiple times on this stream, and a lot of people in the gaming world uh, are very forthright about mental uh, issues they may be dealing with. And a yeah. lot of times you find that because when you end up spending hours playing a game every day, you make that choice because something is keeping you from going out and approaching life as effectively as you want. So you retreat a bit. And that's why a lot of gamers end up finding each other because they have some of the same things they're fighting. And yeah. I've always advocated for <clears throat> when you can get into therapy that can help you build the skill set to be able to recognize what you said. Life is levels. It doesn't always have to be you're this high or you're this low. There are ways to see things for what they are and keep yourself on a more even keel. And I have uh, noticed that, um, and I did this myself years ago. I did cognitive behavioral therapy and it turned my life around. And mm -hmm. what I have also realized is um, people aren't aware of how they think enough. They just accept who they are and think, well, this is who I am. They don't realize that they got themselves there. Some of yeah. it was baked in, some of it was factory installed, but so much of it is a series of choices you make and the choices you make every day 
what media you might consume, what news you might consume, what argument you may choose to get into or not get into on Facebook or Twitter has exactly. a real impact on your life. Exactly. And if you feel like you have to write the damn tweet, write the damn tweet, look at yeah. it, exhale and delete it. Because sometimes just birthing this anger yeah. out yeah. is enough to diffuse the bomb, right? Yeah. So sometimes that's all you need is like, I'm just going to write it down, take a breath, and then erase it. Because as we are discovering now, your behavior is so important. And if you're mm -hmm. out there going, I don't think you live there. I know who lives there. You know, if you get these awful people, your behavior, you can, it can ruin your life. It can ruin yeah. your life. So if you have to write it down to get it out there, write it down, but think twice before you press. Send. Yes, because tweets are forever. Tweets yep. are forever. Tweets are somebody, forever. If somebody decides to pay attention to you, they can screen grab what you wrote, and before you have a chance to delete it, they have it. Now it's yep. out of your hands for good. Yep. So, yeah. they. Um, there's. Uh, I talked about him yesterday with you. Uh, Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, and he also he has a lot of takes on social things. A lot of people like him. A lot of people don't like him. Some people see him as polarizing. I think he's a very rational, reasonable person. Even if I tend to not agree with an argument he'll make, he'll tell me how he got there. And I'll say, okay. Yeah. And he, the uh, thing he talks about is because he studied how the brain works. He says, people do not question their thought processes enough. They just blindly accept their own opinions and feelings about things without examining how they got there. And he said mm -hmm. that we only have two ways to resolve problems in the world. We have conversation or violence. That's it. There's no other way to resolve differences. If we don't learn how to converse with each other, the only other alternative is unthinkable. So yeah. like you say, people need to, they need to practice finding that middle ground more. And yeah. it's not a surrender. It doesn't mean you give up everything. It just means no. that by being a hard ass on everything, no matter where you stand, you make it impossible for other people to deal with you. They either acquiesce or they fight you. Yeah. That's no way to go through life. Yeah. And you have to, uh, and the minute you do that, you stop learning. And what's the point after that? Like life is all about the journey and learning yeah. as much education as you possibly can. And I'm not talking about going necessarily to school your entire life, but every right. day you can learn something. You can learn something about yourself. You can learn something about the world around you. You know, all I, I love taking pictures of the stars. I mm -hmm. love it, but we've got two cats, a dog and a lot of fish. So yeah. we can't go like we can't leave. So I've now walk around the neighborhood and instead of looking up, I'm looking down. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, how can I challenge myself today to stay in a creative place, which is what keeps me sane. Mm -hmm. I'll start taking pictures of the nature around me and the mm -hmm. street. So I've started this series on Facebook, you know, nature in quarantine. And every day I'll try and grab something, you know, and it's just like, man, I spent all my time looking up. I never look around mm -hmm. and, you know, look around, look around. Mm -hmm. I never do it, you know? So, uh, and every day you can learn something. And I think that's what keeps you alive. That's what your body is going to age. And, but one way to stop, that aging process or to stay young, I will mm -hmm. say, is to keep learning. Yeah. Stay active. Keep your mind active. And, and you can't keep your mind active if you are so damn sure that you are right. Yeah. 
That's tough. That's that's tough to see because we see it. And mm-hmm. uh, and for for you guys here on on the chat too, you guys are going off to other enclaves after this is over, and you'll walk into a different room virtually, and you'll feel that there's a different vibe. And if that vibe is a bunch of people absolutely asserting things and not willing, not being willing to hear another point of view, eh, you leave that room. You're not going to, yeah. it's going to, it's, it's, it's an overused word, but that's toxic. When somebody is convinced and they can't be convinced otherwise with no matter how much evidence or proof or opinion, then, yeah. okay, it's a, it's a locked door. Just move and on. The thing is about the internet is that there are so <clears throat> many rooms Find the room that speaks to you. Yeah. Find the room that speaks to you. If you're in a room that's making you feel uncomfortable and you know it's not good for you mentally, you can walk away. You can say, okay, I'm going to leave this and not engage and not rile up my own mental uh, instability, mm-hmm. which it can be for everybody nowadays. Everyone. At the drop of a hat, it, things can change because... Uh, it's it's like living in California. You're just like, I'm on solid ground. <laughs> you know, we've been in a constant yeah. earthquake since basically the end of January uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the virus and everything yeah. else. And it can hit at any point, you know. So find a place that makes you feel creative, that makes not necessarily makes you feel safe, but challenges you in a positive way. Right. Uh, embraces you with with positivity. Uh, that makes you want to stay active and or just be calm. Yeah. Because we need (laughs) moments of calmness. Yeah, we do need more of that because there are so many hot takes out there. The conversation I get in with my wife a lot is that um, I believe one of the reasons why we are where we are right now, uh, conversationally speaking, is because our technology, these, uh, these little little slot machines we have in our hands, as one scientist put it, they, they steer us towards the same information over and over again because the algorithm picks up on the fact that we like this. So, oh, here's more of this. Before you know it, you're only getting the one thing. And then when you are faced with something different, it's so much more uncomfortable to encounter it that you avoid it. And the AI will steer you away from that anyway. And before you know it, you're in a bubble. So if you're not challenging yourself... You find yourself in this bubble, and then when someone comes along with a different point of view, you're not going to be as equipped to deal with that point of view as you would have been if you were constantly seeking new and interesting stimulation from different sources. So manage your AI, everybody. Every now and then, click on a link you wouldn't normally click on. Get the AI to do a little work on your behalf and bring you new stuff. You need that. Very important. Yeah. It'll also stop you from shopping too much. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, that. I need those shorts. What? <laughs> and then the next day, all you get is athletic gear and clothing. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, like, exactly. No, no, no. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, we should, uh, in that vein, we should open it up for a question or two if anyone yeah. has one. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. I'll answer questions about whatever because we've gone all over the map. I love doing this too. Talk about whatever just comes into our heads. But um, if you guys have questions about any of the projects Mary has worked on from She-Ra to Silent Hill to Diablo 3, that's the latest one or one of the latest ones to, um, geez, Tangled. 
Uh, I, Star Wars Rebels, Star, Star Wars, Wars Resistance, uh, Cowboy yeah, Bebop. Yeah. To uh, actually, yeah. I mean, what you've been doing just to get through the quarantine. I love to hear about stuff like that. I love to hear that my yeah. friends are doing the things they need to do to keep in a good, fresh attitude. Because yes. it otherwise, eh, I don't even want to. Crazy, crazy times. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, for the most part, we have a couple of people. Every now and then I see this on my chat. Somebody comes in and says, do the Pathfinder voice. It's not a request. <laughs> it's nothing. It's just do this voice. And the mods usually get on it and say, um, Chris will only do this under these circumstances. And then they just say, do the voice. And then I inevitably see it. So-and-so has been banned. It's just, oh, and there's no. this, well, it's, you have to work your way up to a ban. First, yeah. they delete oh, yeah. the message. So you'll mm -hmm. see the deleted message and then you'll see so-and-so has been timed out for 10 minutes. And then eventually it's rare. Bans are rare. Usually somebody gets their message deleted and then they get timed out and they get the, uh, they get the point mm -hmm. because it's Twitch. There are 11 million other Twitch channels where yes. people will also not do the Pathfinder voice and, um, <laughs> You can watch them instead. <laughs> All right. Here's one. Orange Jacinto, friend of the stream, is here often. For Mary, when working on Ghost in the Shell, what was a North Star for you when honing in on the major? Oh, man. Um, the thing about the major is that it it is 100% my voice. It's just 100% my voice. And the thing about... What I loved about playing the major is that when I was doing TV, I was always being rescued. Every character I played was battered, bruised, needed to be rescued mm -hmm. uh, by whether it's Scott Bakula or Angela Lansbury. Uh, I needed rescuing. And, and that kind of stuff takes a toll on your psyche after a while. It's just like, yeah. wow, I'm a victim. Mm -hmm. And playing the major in Ghost in the Shell helped me find my strength mm -hmm. as a human being, as a woman. And all of a sudden, I started to feel real comfortable in my skin for the first time in a long time, which is interesting because the character is actually can put herself in any shell she uh -huh. wants. Uh, so by playing her, I found that strength. So usually all I need to do is just take a nice deep breath and really feel like I've grounded to the floor, uh -huh. grounded to the planet, and I find her. I just, I just do. I mean, she's, she's such a badass and I'm usually not. So it's, it's, ah. it's wonderful to just connect to the ground. You but know? you have badass facets that you can, uh, access. That's yes. Everyone's, they once asked Tommy Lee Jones, uh, about some part of his personality. Do you enjoy doing this or, or are you this kind of person? And his response was very Tommy Lee Jones. Sure. Everybody's <laughs> everything. Yeah. And this, yeah. he's, he's right. Everybody has facets of everything. No one is one Absolutely. thing all the time. No one. But sometimes we get fixated on, on yeah. ones that aren't productive, right? So uh, oh, yeah. it's always nice to shift back into, oh, I'm a fucking badass. I remember this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Right. Um, and there's a coolness to her, her confidence, too, which I really love. She never has to push it. She's just, she's just a badass. Mm-hmm. Here's mm -hmm. one from The Surfin' Slayer. Is working on Cowboy Bebop where you first met wonderful Steve Bloom? It is where I first met wonderful Steve Bloom, and I fell so in love with his voice as Spike. Uh, I just needed to have him on everything that I did, so I sort of uh, 
stalked him by casting him in everything that I could. <laughs> uh, I, we were both with other people. And then now eventually, uh, well, not eventually, eventually we got together. Mm -hmm. uh, the universe uh, presented uh, the opportunity to be together. And uh, we're engaged to be married, and we're going to move to Hawaii. And I didn't know you were engaged. Did oh, I know shit, you were we got engaged? engaged in 2016. We're going oh. for the long engagement. It's very British. Okay. My grandfather was British, so we're doing the long engagement. Ah, the long engagement. Uh, what is yeah. the tradition of the long engagement? Just to uh, make Just sure to that make the, sure. all of society is aware that we're doing this and, you know. <laughs> so know. much, So much of British manners is how you're presenting yourself to the world. Yes, I think it's to give uh, uh, my parents time to get together the dowry. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Steve is expecting a dowry, and he'll be damned if he doesn't get it. What do you mean only three chests of gold? <sighs> That's a ridiculous. Pox. I was a pox. Where, where, uh, where is my field of fox? Yes. What has happened <laughs> to my field of fox that I'm supposed to get as a, as a dowry? I demand five hectares of fox <laughs> or the wedding will not go off. Shall not. <laughs> there we are. Here's one from Koshiro. Are there any on-screen actors or musicians with interesting voices you wish would try voice acting? Oh. Good question. Um, really good question. Uh, 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 huh. Interesting on camera. I think well, most of the ones, yeah, with most, most of the of ones with interesting, do. yeah, voices, they probably have agents that say, I know you have six months until your next project starts up. In the meantime, one word, Jif peanut butter. <laughs> huh? Yep. Yeah. 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 Come no, on. It'll I be an hour. <laughs> you get paid a million it. dollars. Yep. You only have to say four words, but you're going to say them for an hour the entire time. Mmm, that Skippy's good. Try it again. Mmm, that Skippy's well, good. Well, that's why I imagine Ooh. when you, you told the story of the actress who came in and had a breakdown, I thought, I horrible me is thinking about the comedy. If she was there for like a Jif peanut butter spot, she had four words and like, I'm going to have to walk her around the block. Because I can't have her saying, Juicy Mother's Juice Jam. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to send that to the client. I'm sorry. Um, no. Yeah, we need no. you to be a little happier. Yeah. yeah. You know what I find is that when I went to conventions, I would meet a lot of people where, you know, I would be like, you need to do voiceover. You have the most amazing voice. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it, it's less the celebrities because it is available to celebrities. Uh, and it's more the people that I that uh, that I meet at conventions or that I see on HGTV. Like this girl's like, we really need to get a nice new thing. And I'm like, is that your speaking voice? Yeah, we're trying to do a game room. And I really think that it would be nice if we had, you know, like a pool table. And I'm like, what? You need to be everything in Disney, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find out, I am illiterate. <laughs> yes. Or what's acting? Don't worry what's, about it. I'll give you line it. readings and we'll it's all get fine. <laughs> well, here's one um uh headed one of my uh one of my mods is asking uh what is one of the things that an actor can do to make you lose your patience with them, to get pissed off at them? I think I can guess, but I I wouldn't want to hear you say it. Uh <clears throat> Bob Buckholz and I uh used to joke about this. Um, all the time, uh, whenever he, he would direct me or I would direct him, we, we would share stories. Bob is a, as is a director 
and I love directing directors because we always end up sharing horror stories. Uh-huh. And uh, I'd be like, Bob, you know, what happened? What's, you know, what's new? And he goes, oh, I got a good one the other day. Uh, I gave an actor direct and, and they said, well, I mean, if, if that's how you want it, okay, let's try it. An actor said that to him. And, and now every time I, I work with Bob, uh, either I say that to him or he says that to me. To me, it's it's the the uh, uh, what really pisses me off is when people think that they know the character better than the people who have been writing it uh. forever. So it's just like <laughs> my character wouldn't do that. And it's like it's day one and yeah. uh, you don't know that. Uh, did you read the script? No, but my character wouldn't say that, you know, so it's just that when somebody shuts down, uh, thinks that it's all about them, because as much as I adore being an actor mm-hmm. and I adore actors in terms of the machinery that is animation, it is the smallest, shiniest cog in a yeah. very big machine. Yeah. And I think because they get all the accolades, nobody gets to see how the sausage is made. And there is a huge right. amount of, of sausage being made, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They're just the ones that present it at the end. You know, and and I don't mean to offend any actors out there, but it's a it's a it's a joint uh, venture. Yeah, you're you're not alone. The way I see it, um, a lot of times the argument you hear is, well, they'll use non-union actors instead of union actors, and my my thing is, all right, go do it. Uh, see how that works out. Sometimes it might work out for you. Sometimes it might not. All right, you go to the union shop because this is where the best actors tend to be. But amongst union actors, if you decide to be a problem, don't think you can't be recast. There oh, is a there is a metric ton of uh, talent out there in the union. So yeah. and and they're ready to work. They're ready. So yeah, if, if somebody wants to shut down and dare you to recast them, you're gonna lose that bet. You know, unless Look, the project is built around you, you're gonna lose. So. You're gonna lose that bet big time. Yeah, big time. Bigly yes. and, and big bigly huge. Believe me, people. Um, but this, what I love about voiceover is that it's very, uh, the community, you know, everybody's like, ah, oh, it's cutthroat Hollywood. Rah. Not so much the Not voiceover me, uh, community. Yeah. It's a real community of people yeah. that like each other, that love what we get to do, that encourage, like, uh, I'll have directors, you know, say, oh my God, I met the most amazing actor. You have, you have to use them. And we're always looking for new talent, right. new voices. Even though most people are like, I only hear the same 10 people over and over again. No, you don't. But you do a lot, but there's always room for more people mm-hmm. and more people and more people. Because all of a sudden, it's just, you know, all of a sudden, Eric Bauza rises out. Yeah, that kid out came out of nowhere. Like, what? Yeah. And then there's Kari Walgren floats yeah. in on moonbeams. You know, you're like, what? You know, I know. So it's, there's always room for, for more people. And if you are positive... And you have fun doing this and you're fun to work with, you have a better chance of continuing to work because you're sitting in a padded room all day talking at a TV or talking at a piece of glass. And that's it for eight hours a day. So you better be fun and you better be positive in terms of and pick your battles. Absolutely. I mean, it is a collaborative process. But don't come in and be a pain in the ass. If you think you're above all of this, mm-hmm. we can make sure that you are and send you on your way. Yeah. I remember my agent, Pat Brady, the reason I have a career, told me, she says, 
there's too many talented people in this business for anyone to act like an asshole. There are some assholes, I guess, who know when to be an asshole and when not to be because they're really talented. But for the Mm -hmm. most part, there's no room for assholes. It's just too easy to get somebody else in there that can do what you're doing. You know, I have no illusions. Yeah. While you're being an asshole and and you're thinking you're indispensable, uh, somebody like Eric Bauza is like, oh, I can do an impersonation of that. I can make it my own and make my own thing. And so if it gets to a point like we need a sound alike because this person is an asshole and I just I'm I can't work with him anymore. I mean, I could if I have to, but I really don't want to. Somebody else is going to come in and they're going to be as good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, again, yeah, and it's not like Eric Bauza is on the phone asking, who's being an asshole? I want a gun for their job. No, no, the, his phone rings and they say, uh, asshole alert. Can you do this? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, that's how other I think people don't always realize this. Sometimes you get a job because somebody else lost the job. Like in commercials, yeah. if you get to be the voice of a product, I guarantee you somebody else was that voice of a product. And it might not have even been because they were an asshole. It's just new client, uh, new ad agency. We're turning over new soil. Great. Now everyone, whoosh, jumps on it. And uh, I have seen that happen. I was the voice for Zales Diamonds for, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess. And um, no, was it Zales or was it Hellsberg? It was Hellsberg. I get my diamonds mixed up. They're very sparkly. Yeah. They're distracting. Sparkly rocks. And sparkly then, rocks. Was that what, the ad campaign? Maybe the that's ad why campaign. they didn't bring me back. I did. Sparkly rocks. I leaned into the fire steam a little too much. <laughs> this Valentine's Day. Um, can you take a drink of water? I did. Um, yes. Yeah. And then one day I wasn't Hillsburg Diamonds. And then one day I was hanging out at an audition in the in the waiting room. And a friend of mine told me, hey, it's really great. I get to do the voice for Hillsburg now. And I said, that was my job. Good for you. Because what else are you going to say? You're going to say, good yeah. for you, man. Good for you. Because Absolutely. that's what you say. You know, because you can't take it personally. What Roger didn't Roger do Dodge or Ford or something? Yeah, and, for years, uh, for years and years and years. Clancy Brown was Chevy years yeah. and years and years. Maurice LaMarche, Lexus, mm-hmm. years, Lexus. And years and years. But usually what they do is like we need I'm new. I've got the campaign. It's my thing. Let's start over and, and we're going to do, do something fresh. Now, if you listen to Lexus, unless it's the female one, mm-hmm. Lexus, Chevy, Dodge, Ram, all of that sound exactly like Clancy, Maurice, Roger. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's a little tweak, but it's so close. It's so mm-hmm. close, but they just had to put their stamp on it. And that's the nature of the business. You can't take it personally. Yeah, it isn't. You screwed the pooch, you know? I mean, you, yeah. you really can't. It's just, it's the nature of the business. Right, And you right. just have to realize that it's not your role. It's, it is your role for as long as you do it. And yes. then someone else might get to play it as well. Right. You get uh, Phil Tanzini told me this. It's a buffet. Every now and then they're going to give you a chair and let you sit down and eat. And you got to mm-hmm. stuff your face and shove food in your pockets because then they're going to kick you away. Yeah. And, you know, I hope you got enough shrimp. Yeah. You're not going not gonna to get any for a while. Un- put the prime rib <laughs> under your shirt and stuff Ex- your bra full of prime rib. And exactly. Then- Eventually, you'll come back, and it will be fine. Mary McGlynn, ladies and gentlemen, brothel of prime rib. Her one-woman show prime rib. Woo, woo, over woo, at the Falcon woo. Theater. 
At the Falcon. No, it's the Gary Marshall Theater. Is now. it the Gary Ma- Gary oh Marshall's Theater? Mary McGlynn's I... bra full of prime rib. Full of prime rib. I still a have his business performance. Card. You do. I directed him in Pen Zero. He played a clown, and he'd always be like, "No, no, let me do one more. I gotta make it pop. I gotta make it pop. Give me one more." Yeah. And he gave me his card. He goes, "You should direct at my theater." And I'm like, oh, "I love you so much." Like, yeah, really. I know. Yeah, and then unfortunately he passed away. All right, yes. Here, here is one. It's a little heavy, and it's by somebody with heavy in their gamer tag, uh, Heavy Uh-oh. G. Can I ask you guys about the Vic situation? Has it changed <laughs> relationships between VAs, or is that just an outside situation taking place at one studio? Um, I'm guessing they're talking about Vic. Is it um, last Manana. name? Is M- Mignola? Or? Man- Min- Vic Mignana. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do not know this person personally. I have only peripherally read about this situation, so I could not comment on it. I don't know if you have a take. Uh, I've worked with him and, uh, and my issues with him were addressed to him by me. And Mm -hmm. that's all I'm going to say. Got it. About it. Okay. All right. Yep. Message received. Okay. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's 2020. I can't open up that part of the planet anymore. I hear you. I hear you. Um, No one is asking this, but I'm curious. Um, Have you been involved in casting at all or are you mainly just directing? Are they ever, do they ever consult you about who you would like to see cast or is it mainly you're handed a cast list and you work with what you've got? It depends on the project. Uh, Okay. I, I prefer to just direct. Okay. I don't, I really do, but I am, I just got a a new series and I will be casting and directing it. Uh, And one fun, uh, but like when we did Naruto, I would always be like, you know, can't stay below, you know, of course, (laughs) just, you know, just come in, you know, it's just like, we need somebody to come in and just like, uh, just, you know, call Kari and have her come in. And uh, because again, time is money and you need to get things and you want to work with people that you like and people that you know will get the job done really Mm -hmm. well. Uh, make your life easier. Mm-hmm. Casting is 90% of this industry, not yeah. 95. It's so important. Um, but I was cast as, uh, oh shit. I was in Tangled. I mean, I directed Tangled and they gave me a role that uh, uh, old lady Crowley. Mm-hmm. And I was playing, I was, at first old lady Crowley was sort of in there and I was kind of playing her like this. And they said, we've kind of had a rethink. We wanted to be a, an older curmudgeon. So I was kind of playing her like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, so Mary, um, we're going to recast you. And I said, absolutely. I have no yeah. ego about this. That's fine. And I said, how about Pat Carroll? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, that's a great idea. So I was instrumental in getting myself recast by Pat Carroll who is one of my heroes. So that, she played Ursula in uh, The Little Mermaid. She's done so much Shakespeare uh, and she's just an amazing, amazing, amazing woman. So yeah, uh, I, I don't do a lot of casting, but I know a lot of directors that do. Christy Reed does a lot of her own casting, Stephanie Shea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, but it's a whole job. I, my best friend is uh, a casting director for On Camera and I did a pilot season with her. Mm. And that was a, a, a level of hell that I will never go through again. <laughs> uh, casting is a full-time job. And until until you get that core group that you are going to 
you know, scour the earth to find this perfect cast. That takes so much time and effort. And I have so much to do as a director um, to uh, to prepare myself for. Uh, and at one point I was directing 10 shows at once. So it's just like, I know. 10? Some, ten, some wrapping up and some starting up uh, and some ongoing. So they're just like, so with the cast, I was like, nope. I won't, I can't, I have no time. I, mm. I don't want to have to contact agents. I don't want to have to put out sides. I don't want to have to do that. I just want to focus on what I feel is my strong suit, which is directing. There are other people. It's a lesson in what is your strong suit? And mine is not right. the organization of putting out this. Da, 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 da. I've mm -hmm. done it. I've, I've done it a number of times, but it's not my first love, which would be directing. Gotcha. Orange Jacinto asked, I keep wanting to cut a demo tape. Who do I send that to once I get around to it? And go. Oh, <laughs> you never oh, get asked this, do you? Well, <laughs> that's the thing is that I'm so far, I'm, I'm now in this world of, of directing that, and that I don't necessarily uh, do as much casting. Uh, and I don't know what it's like. Do you actually send a tape now? Nobody, do you well, send an MP3? Yeah. I'm assuming it's an MP3 around. It's an MP3. And are, are the agents actually going to look at these? I think the most important thing, if you can get uh, an actor or a producer or someone to listen to it that can recommend it to an agency, I think mm. you'll have a much better chance at being heard than just by mailing it I'm, I'm sure the agents have people that are, you know are just like all right you, you, it's your turn today you get to listen to all of these demos yeah and pick out ones that you think have potential because that's what a casting director does is that they're not just getting actors for roles they're searching for talent mm -hmm. so um uh i think that's one way to do it i mean I, i'm i'm kind of out of out of the loop there but i know there is such you guys out there have the internet we didn't have that not no. in my day we no. didn't have the series of tubes no. known as the interwebs we had rotary so, phones that's right and eight track tapes so use the internet i know there's a lot of and for many of you who are just starting out you're not in the union so there's no shame in that whatsoever there's a yeah. lot of non-union work out there again make sure you get paid correctly $50 an episode or $90 an episode for is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, but use the internet, use uh, the forces of the, of the interwebs to get yourself out there. There are a lot of auditions on different casting sites. I don't know what those sites are, but I think the Google is your friend yeah. uh, and can help you find these sites where they're doing fan work. They're doing small independent work. Mm -hmm. uh, Heck, books on tape, you know, reading for the blind. I mean, it's 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 a way to to get in there. But in terms of your demo specifically, get your foot in the door, uh, be creative, uh, use the internet, and because uh, the minute you land one thing, you're gonna have something to put in there. Right. That's yours, which yeah. is really important. Yeah, and on top of that, your demo should play to your strengths. Don't put in everything if everything means. 20% of it is eh, not very good. Um, yeah. You know, just include the strong stuff. Plus, um, most people who listen to your demo are not likely to listen to all of it. After they get yeah. two or three voices in or two or three spots in, 
they will know whether or not that you have what they happen to be looking for. So make sure so it's start with yeah. start with you like at the top. Yeah. Don't start with, hey, I'm a crazy actor. You know, I mean, the first thing on your demo should be you. Right. So let's hear your voice. And then you can go with the I play goofy. You know, I mean, but let that come later <laughs> just to show your range and versatility at the top of this. You've got to let us hear your voice. We want to know. All right. This is where and then spiral out from there into the madness of your own vocal. My, yeah, um, I and I violated a couple of rules with my first demo, but I did it with like Pat had already met me um, because I had done voices for some theme park rides. And through those contacts, I got a meeting with Pat Brady and she said, you know, we talked a bit and um, I said, I can do like any voice you need me to do. And she says, OK, go home and put 25 voices down on tape. And I put like 55 down. I just went crazy. <laughs> And so she went back through and said, okay, okay, I'll work with you. All right, I'll work with you. You know, you have what I'm looking for. But then she went down and called and it was merciless. It was, mm. oh, that one's really good. That one's really good. I don't know who the hell you were trying to sound like there. And so <laughs> you have to kind of get ready to be touched up a little bit. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you just have to be ready for someone to be unmerciful when they listen to what you're doing and yeah you know the difference between constructive criticism and someone just being mean someone's being yeah. mean disregard them but some people are being constructive and they're not yeah. wrong they're hearing something you're not hearing so be ready yeah. you're gonna they not, yeah they may not be gentle about it so just no. be ready for that too yeah some people are very very blunt and uh and if it's not done with malice then take it for what it is advice yeah yeah Absolutely. And uh, some people have been discovered at workshops. If you can take a workshop, yeah. sometimes uh, Steve Bloom does acting, coaching lessons, things like that. Yeah. I imagine if Steve came across somebody who was just really, really talented, he would encourage them and probably yeah. open a door. And has, you know okay. what I mean, and sends them to a good, um, oh, I had to belch, so I just did. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's the Perrier and Travis Willingham taught me how to speak through my belches. So I did because I'm classy. I'm from Jersey. Yo. Well, every boy uh, knows how to do that since they were like four. I could do entire soliloquies through belches, but no, I'm, I'm not editing that out. That's going in. No, it's got to stay in. It's very proud of it. I used to, I put that at the bottom of my, my resume could belch on cue. And I, really? every time I went in for, they'd be like belch on cue. I said, yep. I said, All right okay here we go you know and they're like hey i like the belchy girl that was good you know find ways to stand out find a gimmick open your demo uh, with, with that or you could finish it with that which could yeah. be fun or gross people out either way um yeah what was the question uh, it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't matter um, yeah exactly um i tell you what we'll take one more because i've kept you here for two and a half hours <laughs> And uh, this is creeping into the the uh, the long well the uh, duration record for one of my my chats. Ooh. Yeah. No, it was we could. Roger, wasn't it? Roger. It must have been Roger. Roger and I went right about this long. Yeah. 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 Although yeah, no, yeah, there was yeah. some other act. I don't know if you ever worked with Allegra Clark. She's great. She's in the game, and uh, Ooh, she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. I've you heard could of her. you could probably work with her on a few things, but. Yeah, Allegra will will go. You know, she's she's a talker. She's good yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, let me grab one. 
more. Someone is asking, Frag loves Onage. Is she Lona's voice actor? Is that Lona or Iona? Have you played an Iona or a Lona? I don't know if they're not using caps. So, um, hmm. What, what, which game? Yeah, so it would have to be a project. games is that uh, I sometimes forget. We, not only do we forget, but they don't give you a title when you're actually doing it because it's no. all these NDAs yeah. and quiet and quiet and quiet. So. Yeah, no. Frag Love Zona just saying Loba. No, Loba is Frida Wolf. We had Frida Wolf on earlier a few weeks yeah. back. So, yeah, you guys missed that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay. Valtier has one question. We'll take this and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, question for Mary. I loved you on Critical Role. What, oh, thanks. Yeah. What do you think Zara would think of the mighty, is it nine or nine? The mighty nine. The mighty nine. Okay. Nine schnell. Yeah. Nine schnell. Um, oh, I think she would think they were lovely. You know, I mean, I, I, uh, I think she would love Jester and I think she would fall in love with, with Ford is what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love the new characters of this campaign and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's things I can and can't say, and a lot of things I can't say, but, um, there's nothing like, you know, we talked about how this is, you know, you never own a role and Zara is actually the one that I do because I created it. Yeah, you, you know, created I mean, the yeah, I created the I character. I created the character, the voice, every line, every everything that was said, I created, you know, and so much like but Matt did play her uh-huh. in a couple of, of episodes when they would go to the library and and there would be, oh, we we come across Zara in the library, you know, and, and Matt would play Zara, you know. But uh so again, I guess I just disproved my point. But um because a role is never yours. A role is never yours. Uh, D and D rocks. I've missed it. We we haven't our our dungeon master for our home game just had a baby. So oh well. Like, he goes, I can't say goodbye to them before. for a little bit. Yeah, I know. I know. I miss it. I just got this meteorite D twenty, and it is the coolest. Like I found. I got the sphere on eBay, and uh-huh. I gave it to Gil, like uh, this amazing blacksmith, and he shaved it down he couldn't even forge it he had to shave it down into a d20 that's mm-hmm. oh, magic. man see i played D in 8081 when it was yeah. having its first uh renaissance and yeah. uh i haven't played it in forever uh my brother and a few friends discovered roll 20 a few years ago and we did do a little bit of gaming with roll 20 because it's this really mm-hmm. cool zoom like apparatus to game on and now I'm getting asked by uh, some of the people on the chat, when are the Apex Legends actors, because there are about 12 or 13 of us now, I think, um, yeah. are going to play oh, D&D. Should... It's like, well, I have to find the ones that actually play. So, yeah. I don't know. The first time I ever played D&D was on Critical Role. Live. Really? I would never, ever ah, played. You're a natural at it. You'd be a natural at it. It's well, acting. Good... Yeah, that's all it is. It's, it's, it's improv with dice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And the dice dictates where, how good or bad you do something. Right, exactly. And nobody gives you a line read. It's all no. you. Well, could you try it? Just give me a, huh? It's okay. not lawful huh. evil enough, is what I'm it's saying. Not. You're more I'm neutral evil. Chaotic. Than, yeah, I'm it's... hearing chaotic in that read. And yeah. more neutral. Sorry. Really yeah. Neutral. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Mary McGlynn, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. 
um, oh, just fun it's so good stories, to see you. silliness. It's good to see you, yes. however virtually it is. One good belch and, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you boom. took me right back. It's like we're standing outside of Studiopolis <laughs> in the parking lot. It's dusk. I've got to drive back over the hill. You're enjoying a cigarette. Yeah. And scene, yeah. And scene. Yeah, exactly. Well, is there anything you would like to say to the lovely people watching both here and on YouTube later about um, anything? Well, uh, yes. Uh, this is a very important year. And if any of you follow me on Twitter, um, uh, sorry, but uh, I'll say something nonpartisan. We, uh, Courtney Taylor and J.P. Karliak started and myself started uh, an organization called Nerds Vote. Mm -hmm. com. So if you have any questions about your own registration or about how to vote, about when to vote, uh, or if you can do a mail-in ballot, uh, go to nerdsvote.com and you can get all the answers there, which is sort of lovely. Um, and I don't know. Follow me at Mary E. McGlynn on uh, Twitter and at Mary Elizabeth McGlynn on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram as much as I should be. So someday I'll do a TikTok, but it is not this day. Me neither. I don't understand it yet. And um, I know I'm, what I want yeah. to do. I just. <laughs> I'm going to go up and play Beat Saber. You know, it's just like whenever people are just like, oh, it is like, I'm going to go play Beat Saber. I'm good. That's what's kept me sane, actually. Photography mm -hmm. and Beat Saber. Uh, exercise. It's exercise. Yeah. With purpose. I love that with lightsabers and yeah. whack and balls, our boxes to really good music mm -hmm. is kept me sane get the body moving get that yeah. body moving yep uh-huh exactly well everybody uh i just want to say thank you and um uh, i do hope to get to work with you again on one of these things yeah, who knows it's whatever whatever the audition gods provide i send it out there mm. love you mean it be good to yourselves be good to other people um and uh Don't be a dick don't, don't be, a, be dick, a dick. Don't be an asshole. Be be the other category. Be the nice person yeah. who makes it easy to converse. Okay. Yep. 